This podcast is brought to you by Podbean. Podbean is the easiest way to create your own podcast. In fact, we use Podbean to host Zap to the Past. Download the free Podbean podcast app to start, record and publish your very own podcast in minutes. Podbean provides everything you need to run your podcast and you can record and publish episodes directly from the app on your phone. Download the free Podbean app today. That's P-O-D-B-E-A-N. Head on over to Podbean at www.podbean.com and use the code PODCAST21 for your first 30 days of podcast hosting for free check it out and now let's listen to zap to the past Welcome to episode 48 of Zap to the Past. I am Adrian Mills and I'm joined as always by Graham Raddings. If you haven't listened before, this is a podcast where we discuss games that were released for the Commodore 64. Last week, we looked at our first batch of games from issue 23 of Zap 64, which we are in no way affiliated with, and were dulled by the double, mesmerised by mutants, and choked by Tracker. This week, we continue our look at the games in March 1987, along with what was lighting up our TV and cinema screens that month. So, Graham, tell us what we have going on in this episode. In this stately home in the country turned peaceful spa-like retreat with exclusive saunas, jacuzzis and steam rooms of an episode, we cast a watchful eye over the shifty Hideans and just check exactly what they are planning to do with all that deadly human-killing toxic gas in Erebus take a day trip to the soon-to-be-moved Shilmore Castle in Scotland to fall down some stairs and brew an invisibility potion for ghosts in the laborious Ollie and Lisa. And since we're in Scotland, we also grab a confusingly controlled diving bell and plunge into the depths of Loch Ness looking for the mysterious Loch Ness aliens. Yeah, in terror of the deep. We also grab our ball back and throw our goalie gloves on the ground in despair at the ball-hoofing 8-bit horror sandwich that is the decidedly dodgy Peter Shilton's handball Maradona, stand aghast and offended at the flaccid and utterly pointless shit-em-up garbage of the terribly titled Agent Orange, and enter the spooky two-colour world of the isometric vampire hunter, avoiding bats and decent frame rates in the fangy Nosferatu. If that deep tissue facial hasn't quite shifted your forehead wrinkles and you feel like a volcanic salt body scrub might be on the cards. We also take yet another trip to the seemingly always well-designed and built monster dungeons, looking for more keys and treasure and potions, this time in the bewildering flip-screen crap baguette world of Dandy. Eek. We switch our bicycles for our skateboards so we can once again avoid road and path-based hazards in the horrible-to-control skate rock. Take a trip to the bulging, potpourri, pant-filled world of David Bowie and almost point-and-click our way through a déjà-vu-like escapade in the laborious labyrinth before grabbing our liquid teardrops and paracetamols in preparation for the brain-damaging and vision-destroying 8-bit graphic pink-eye generator that is Terra Cognita. Some of these games are the equivalent of putting the butter knife directly in the marmalade after it's been used on the toast and thinking that that's perfectly okay. It's not. These games might give you the same feeling of unease and might even make you feel like you've had a toast triangle shoved up your nose. Be warned. Mm. Yes, 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 yes. Again, 
I'm sure everything you said is spot on the money. I'm really sure it is. Let's get into the games then. What we got coming up? Uh, we got is it five games? We've got five games this section. We do. Um, and we will we will crack into them straight away. And our first game coming up now is Erebus. Erebus. So a strange name. Erebus. So what is Erebus? It got fifty six percent. And Erebus is a garbage world. It is. It is a garbage planet. It is an automated world where barely anyone lives because it's all garbage. So that planet is Erebus, and mankind has turned this planet, this planet Erebus, into a garbage planet by setting up massive refineries for processing all the crap we produce and converting it on that planet into some kind of gas, I think. And so anyway, everything was all right. You know, We were just chucking out all the crap and floating it all over to Erebus, and it was all getting refined until we noticed, here on Earth, we noticed that the nearby Hadeans from planet Hadabus or Hadabus and I put a note didn't he sing Baby Don't Hurt Me <laughs> Just, no no but I hate the bus as well to be fair uh, I, don't like, I don't like getting on buses uh, I don't like a de bus I hate a de bus <laughs> <laughs> hate a de bus I'm a Hedian um, so we noticed that the Hadians from planet H- Hadaway uh, were sabotaging the planet to make a foul noxious gas to unleash on the earth and kill everyone they could have just asked me <laughs> they don't need to ask <laughs> I'm happy to provide. <laughs> I got an endless supply. <laughs> you could have just got it from Aidy's ass rather than from Hadians. Dot com. <laughs> absolutely. It is a website that. D- don't um, go there. Absolutely. There's uh, amazing ASMR noises on it. <laughs> oh <my God>. No. <laughs> so this cannot be left to stand that they are making this evil earth, noxious gas, whatever. So we blast off to stick it to him. Uh, stick it to the evil Hadians. So what this entails is one part iridium and one part sanction in this not the left good to right. <laughs> not the no no no. Let, let me let's 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 uh, let's uh, let's get there. So this is a left to right or right to left scrolling schmutz, bi-directional. It's another one of them. So similar to fighter pilot defender drop zone. The main chunk is. Uh, what we talked about last week yeah so the first section of the game you are on a ring around you are basically each level is a ring around one of the refineries screen scrolls both ways and you have to essentially complete a lap for for reasons and this lap is shown on the dashboard at the bottom where there's this uh, there's these eight uh, lights and they turn they're in a ring basically and they they change as you go through each section of the ring they change from red to green when it's all green um, and you've shot enough enemies around that ring um, you can enter it'll say that the duct is open for you to enter um, entering the duct which is a tricky process basically transforms the game into a standard left to right sanction style shooter yeah um, nemesis gradius whatever uh, r type type thing and so you this this section in the duct lasts for 30 seconds or until you die so you don't lose a life if you die in the duct i don't think you just essentially if you can last for 30 seconds and it's essentially it's a bonus round so you get through this duct and you shoot all the aliens coming at you and you you, you just amass you know mega points and that's it once you've lasted the 30 seconds or you die en route you basically come out into the next oval and the action repeats with a different level layout uh, and different enemies so this is actually strange enough this is actually from the maker of falcon patrol 2 it is indeed um, it is yeah and it's also from the second version of the matrix hunter patrol it is. Uh, he did. He did that as well. Um, and I think it's better than either of those, personally. Even if it is derivative as all hell. Yeah, we've seen this before. I mean, he's done it before. He's done Falcon Patrol too. So it's, it's similar to that. Uh, so there's some quite nice ideas in this. I thought the visuals are pretty decent. The your your main you're, you're kind of an orb, a rotating orb. I don't know how else to decide. Describe like a ball. You. Yeah. 
it's just a ball yeah you're moving left and right um and you know you speed up slow down as you go left and right it's kind of it's all right it's, it controls pretty well it's quite snappy there's some nicely defined enemy sprites that reminded me of the enemies in iridium a bit i suppose uh the backdrops are nice um i thought that they're nicely defined and they're well drawn uh, the graphics are good the title screen music is pretty good as well i thought a little short but um it's, it's quite a decent trip it's by the same guy who did the falcon patrol 2 one as well so it's it's, it's, it's pretty good the, the thing is it's okay to play it just doesn't do anything new and aside from the the duct thing because it also reminded me of um you know war was another one mm. another one of these so we've had quite a few of these where you sort of last a certain amount of time iridium style basically where you last a certain amount of time and then once you're done you land bonus game move to next level it's that structure um it's another so it's another one of them the the, the thing i had with this is that the the the, the main chunk of the game the the bi-directional scrolling bit is okay but the, the the duct section is actually the most fun to play yep the left to right scrolling shoot up is by far and away the best bit of this game absolutely and if i'd have had my way if i'd have made this if i'd have been making this I would have scrapped all that bi-directional stuff and just made this into a left-to-right scrolling shooter because it's way more fun. Yep. Just that 30 seconds of it. And I think if you could have done those levels on a, just a sanction style, maybe, this would have been way, way more interesting and way better because there's actually a really nice feel to those left to, just the left-to-right horizontal scrolling sections. And I think it would have been more engaging, more fun, um, because the main game is just too slow and dodgy and it doesn't really engage you. It's not terrible, this game. I quite, I quite liked it. You know, I did actually enjoy my time with it. I played it for quite a bit because it's okay. It's perfectly... I think 56% is a little harsh. I think it could have scored a bit higher in the grand scheme of things. But I can see why. I just wish that there's a, there's a cracking game here in the uh, duct sections. There's a, there's a, I think there's a cracking shoot em up, but it, it's hidden and there's only 30 seconds of it. And maybe that 30 seconds of it is why it's good, because Dunout State's welcome. But the pace of it is good, it's fun, it's fast, and it's just a shame that you have to get through the lap section to get to it, which is a, just a little, gets a little bit dull after a while, because it's it just lacks any kind of punch and oomph, which the shooting other bit comes down to and, and actually has. So I didn't mind this, I thought it was all right, but I just, I don't know, it, it's like, it feels like a missed opportunity. A, dire- a, a dev direction taken in the wrong way to me. What about you? Did you? What did you think to it? It's funny enough, I made the exact same observation. I thought the graphics were okay, actually. I quite liked the sort of shiny silverness yeah. of the main main body and the graphics weren't bad. I think you're exactly right. I felt that, because my notes here I've put, the scenery felt more challenging than the aliens and it shouldn't have been. And I don't quite get why this wasn't just an all-out shooter like the bonus level. And that's my exact comments from what I've written. <laughs> so I didn't think this was bad. I, I quite I like the idea of of the, the idea of the being these ducks and you have to fly along the bottom and you've got to you've actually got to go through every section and the things that light up are the sections as you go through them because I think there's eight or however yeah. many there is and that opens yeah. up ducks and I quite like that idea but I think that would have been better as the bonus level and the shooter would have been better as the main game yes or just have it as a shooter like you say so I think it just it wasn't good it wasn't a good because the alien patterns inside the main game. We kind of weren't very good and they just kind of stuck to the edges and didn't really challenge you. It was more challenging to try and navigate your way around the sort of landscape. And that mm. navigating your way around things and hitting things in of itself isn't as much fun as shooting things and avoiding things. And so they should have made it more like that. And so I think this game is in the wrong, wrong way around. The bonus level should have been the main game, yeah. main game, bonus level. If they'd have done that, this game would have been much better and actually a really good contender for being a really classic C64 shooter. I think because it doesn't have that and they got it kind of mixed up, I think 56%, maybe it's a bit harsh, maybe it should have been a bit higher, but I think the problem is it's not, it's not, it's not a good shooter 
but it's not a very good avoid the stuff game either. But it would have been. It's, it's a good indication of what it. For thirty seconds, you get an idea of what it really could have been like, and I think that just shows you that we both thought exactly the same thing. I think when people go and replay this, if they do, they'll find the same thing. It would have been. It's kind of a window, a thirty second window, of what it could have been before the other dart goes in the bed, and it's not in this game kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah, because it, it it's it feels good to play that duck. It bit, is. It's it? like, it's oh, nice... you're going to play another shooter. Oh, he's lost the shooter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's the shortest time anyone's ever owned a tra- trouser it is, it is yeah <laughs> no, don't you ever say the term trouser shooter to me again <laughs> it's not the first time I, I don't want to know what you do with your trouser shooter <laughs> so my final comment on this game was that I put it's not ultra crappy I just think it's not what it could have been and that is the real tragedy yeah I've, my final comment is it's not terrible by any means we've just seen it all before and the best bit is hidden yeah Absolutely true, and it's such a such a such a weird change. There was another game we played as well where the the weird the, there was something I can't remember what it was now, but there was another there was another game it where was. there was a really I don't know whether it was Iridis Alpha, it might have been Iridis Alpha or something I can't yeah, remember. But there was another like game where where we really liked the bonus section and we wished oh, I wish the game would have been like that because yeah. but it's just frustrating, isn't it, when you get these things? But I do like the visuals, and you can see how he's progressed if you take falcon patrol 2 which we just finished last episode up with to looking at what he's done now mm. you, you can see a clear progression in his visual style and his graphics and his ability to program you, you, you know you see people get like we said you see people getting better and this is a, certainly a, a move oh, on yeah. and there's, there's nothing there's nothing wrong with this it's just i just wish that that shooter had been the main main crooks shame anyway anyway there you go that's erebus it's a, it's a decent one to start with mm. another decent shooter to start off an episode with we're getting a lot of shooters these days uh, and so i'm liking that i always like a shooter i'm a shooter yeah. fan yeah same. Uh, shoot Maga- shooter mcgavin you know like all the shooters <laughs> i eat shit like you for breakfast <laughs> you eat shit for breakfast <laughs> six, six six shooter uh, any kind of shooter i like shooters anyway on that shooting note, let's move on to our, our second game for this episode. So, uh, Graham, you had the pleasure of this. I did. Yeah, you did. You, you're going to tell us all about the adventures of Ollie and Lissa. I am. This is kind of the, this and the next game are our Scottish double bill, aren't they? Yes. Um, so, this is Ollie and Lisa. Ollie and Lisa. Ollie and Lisa. Ollie and Lisa. I call it Ollie and Lisa. Um, this is 199, so it's Bouget. It's Bouget. And um, this is set in the Scottish Shilmore Castle, which is under threat of being purchased and then shipped brick by brick to the USA by none other than the dastardly millionaire Eugene Portcullis III Jr. Yeah. Ollie and Lisa <laughs> decide to help Sir Humphrey, who is the ghost who lives in the castle, who doesn't want to move. And so, and this is where it gets a little bit confusing. Um, so Sir Humphrey seems to think that invisible ghosts will scare the humans enough to to leave the castle and he wants you to help find eight ingredients for an invisibility potion to turn the castle ghost invisible. Now I thought ghosts were invisible, but you yeah. know what? You know what? Yeah. I'm just going to go with it because as I started to read this premise and read this through the instructions and this point it says, so Humphrey will tell you what ingredients you need to be dropped into the cooking pot. And then, you know, that will help you with the process of creating this thing. And it started to feel like an episode of Trapdoor. And I thought, that sounds like Trapdoor. Um, I've got to find a lot of ingredients, put them in a cooking pot. And I thought, oh, well, maybe it's just dissimilar. Anyway, then the game started the game. And then there was a character that looked like Burke, a little Burke character. So the character you play looks like Burke, a little wandering blob on legs. But it's Burke. Yeah. Yes, I didn't make that trig actually, but yeah, yeah, no, you so say I thought, it. okay, so and I thought, all right, well, it is what it is. So maybe there's some, you know, there's there's some kind of you know hint, nod, whatever you want to call it. So the game is a puzzle platformer, and obviously you've got to navigate your way through the screens, going up and down staircases, using left, right, and fire to jump. 
and you pick up objects, walk them back, and you're told what object to get, like trapdoor, you go and get it, and then you wander back and put it in the cauldron, and then go on the next one, and you've got to avoid the various things that get in your way. And I think this game is probably Marmite. There's a, an attempt at a kind of a cutesy, sort of fun-looking platform game. And I think the best thing you can be saying about this is at least it was only two quid. So it's because it's a puzzle platformer. And so it's got its value for money plus on, on the one hand. But on the other hand, it's frustratingly difficult, requires pixel perfect jumping and is annoying in almost every other way. So the, I suppose the question is really then, which side of the fence do you go upon? Are you happy that it's budget and, you, and you'll go with that puzzle platform logic? Or, or is this game going to frustrate you beyond the realms of rational thought? Falling off a staircase, for example, will just kill you arbitrarily and then you start at the stop, top of the screen again or having to go all the way back to the cauldron to go all the way, go and get something, to go all the way back, to go all the way there, to go all the way back. It's just a game of tiresome, dull, repetitive puzzle platform logic. And the puzzle, it's not like there's even real puzzles to solve. You've just got to find the thing that's on one of the platform levels that you go on. And I think it is basically like the roses with these games, about three levels, top, middle, bottom kind of thing. And so the graphics are kind of a, a weird mishmash of, I think, medium, high res. I don't know. They're just a bit colourless and and it lacked a bit of... It looked a bit spectrum-y looking, in fact. The main sprite seemed okay, but the background seemed a bit drained of colour and devoid of stuff. And I suppose they'd gone for kind of a cute thing. You know, the the, the main character you play is kind of cute looking, but it does look like Burke from Trapdoor. And the plot of the game just is weird. And it just reminded me of a mini version of Trapdoor, really. And I couldn't, I found I couldn't really escape that logic. I just found that the game at 50% for 199 it's just a puzzle platformer that is actually not really that much fun set or said and done and the attempt they've tried to do to create this kind of character basis and stuff it just didn't work for me and i just found myself endlessly getting tagged and by the way the sound effects in this will make you want to smash your face in um, they're just really it's just a little thing it's just little things that you don't do in these games that this does that will eventually annoy you like little jump noises and falling off things and Mm-hmm. No, and and little sort of silly animations that you you know cute for the first time, but after the nineteenth time you've seen it, you just want to turn the thing off. So I think fifty percent, yeah, it's it's just it's neither terrible nor really very good. It's just right back in the middle of being another one of these puzzle platform uh, games that I I could quite happily leave and not bother with. But what about you? Yeah, I can see the. Uh, I didn't actually talk to the trapdoor game things because it reminded me of the two rupert games yes uh, that's sort of it's the same because it's the three the, th- the standard three, three, three layers, platform and, three layer thing and, yeah and that, and that multi-screen thing of the first rupert one but also the, the second rupert one where it was just a single screen oh the one where he's the, on the uh, copious amounts of um ice copious palace, amounts yeah. of ice yeah where he's you know crystal um, meth you know, he's on it yeah he's in his ice party and he sort of thing or goes yeah. all yeah it was, shaved, uh, sh- shaved, shaves himself and becomes Travis Bickle. Yeah, Rupert and the quest for Crystal Meth. Yeah, that was it. Yeah, that's the one. So that's what this game reminded me of. Um, it really did remind me of those games. But I didn't. It didn't look anywhere near as good as those. And and you know, and worsely didn't play as well. You, yeah, you collect your three layer platformer. So you're collecting stuff to make a potion to turn a ghost invisible. It is a port of a specy game. I'm pretty sure. Um, I didn't care for it. There's not a lot moving on screen. I found the jumping over enemies to be really punishing. And quite hard to judge time and time again. Sometimes you just you'd hit them face on. You'd, it just felt arbitrary, and I could never quite get the hang of getting over them. And you know, there was one right at the top of the second screen that was just—it was just a nightmare, just a bloody nightmare. I managed to collect a couple of items because one's on the first screen. That's easy enough. But the task of navigating the world was just boring. Yes, it was yes, just boring and just not very interesting. I didn't like the sound effects, like you said, they are 
horrifically annoying jump noises and stuff. Oh, God, no. Um, and the title screen tune I didn't like as well. Uh, it's not nowhere near one of it's Ben Daglish in it, and it's yeah, uh, it's not very it's good. It's not a, it's it's not very good. The visuals are, are, are weird, not particularly great, with a mix of single and multicolor sprites. Yeah, doesn't work, and 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 seemingly almost like a bit of colory color clash around some of them. Your main character seems to sort of leak into the background, which I, I never like. None of them are particularly good. I, I just didn't like it. I didn't like the game where his progress is locked behind jumps where you only just clear the enemies. In in a in a season of Mighty Bounds, we could have done with a Mighty Bound. <laughs> it's the one time it needed one. Yeah, because you give yourself, you know, jumping over the enemy. If you're going to make... It's like you said, the, the game is made hard because they've restricted your jumping ability and made it pixel perfect to clear enemies. And that's not becomes very unfun very, very quickly. And so I, I just found myself bored and and the cutesiness of it all and it's what the plot is stupid very plot, stupid I, I mean we come across these and things and you know most of them are this planet is that or that is this sort of thing but what you what's the first, you, you collect a diamond yeah. what's this got to do with turning a bloody ghost invisible Don't, nothing i think they just threw a few plot points together and thought ah that'll do it doesn't make any sense and and not that these games need to make sense i get it but when it's just explicitly spelled out that your rationale for collecting this stuff is to make a ghost invisible it's like well it becomes unscary. Surely a, a visible ghost is spookier. Well, it, that's what I thought. And it read to me like somebody had written the first part and then somebody else wrote the second part of that story. Because it just takes a, such a strange turn. So the castle's going to be moved. All right. And all of a sudden it's about ghosts. You're like, eh? Yeah. I don't, I don't know what's going on here. There's three of these games, isn't there? Ollie and Lissa. They seem there to be is, popular. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So there's probably more coming down the line, but I'm hoping that the other ones are better because this one better. just felt like a crappy platformer to me that was... If it's sub Rupert, yeah, we're God, we're we're, in, we're not in good we're not in no. good territory here. No, you're not. You're in dark techno territory with that crazy yeah. fool. You know he's a <laughs> maniac of uh... true. Him and uh, him and his friends sorting oh. the crystal mare. Always been thrown out of nightclubs for them dealing in the toilets. That bloody Rupert. Ah, oh, little shitter he is. Yes, fifty uh, percent this got didn't it? Yeah, generous. Yeah, and probably only got fifty percent because it was two quid. Yeah, I think that I would. I agree completely. Yeah, there we go. That's Ollie and Lisa, Lisa, whatever you want to call it. No, no, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't care for that. I did not care for my time in Chilmore Castle. No, I did not. No. Good. Let's just move away from there because it is such a silly place. Yes. Go further into Scotland. Crappy place. Let's go further into Scotland in our next game. Yeah. All the way to Loch Ness. Yeah. In fact, with a full price game, this is Terror of the Deep. Good, good name. It is a good name, yes. It's a nice name. I, aliens. <laughs> but plot, again. Yeah. Aliens have infested Loch Ness. Yeah. And no one and no one knows why, <laughs> but they have. Now, right, I, 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 before I get into this game, <laughs> correct me if I'm wrong, but doesn't Loch Ness. Isn't it already famous for something that might be a terror of the deep without yes. the need for aliens? Yes, yes. There well, is. I mean, there is there is this you know rumor of a, a well, message. A, a, as we know, Jack the Ripper is there <laughs> because Jack the Ripper was in fact a sixty foot sea serpent from Scotland. <laughs> Absolutely, um, and, and we're not doing this for a quick book. No, somebody did this game for a quick book though. <laughs> somebody did, maybe. Yeah. So uh, this this I did, if you you could have just had monsters, various deep monster I don't type things but know why, why aliens were introduced into this <laughs> game i don't get it but um uh, anywho anyway aliens are in loch ness 
I don't know why, uh, but they have. And you've been chosen. You've you've been chosen to head down in a trusty diving bell to eradicate them once and for all. Yes. So the game starts with uh, a sort of an image of the of the of the lock, and there's a big arrow on it. Um, and you can choose to submerse yourself at any one point up the length of the lock and you pick a location, you press your fire button and you start the game. And so then we're into, uh, we get into the game proper. So now when the game starts uh, into the depths you go and your screen, uh, now you may be thinking, and I was thinking when I first played this, because I played this without looking at the review or anything to see if I get a grip on it. I was like, when it first came up, I was like, oh, this looks a bit like the Eidolon. And so I, my interest, you know how much I like the Eidolon. And so my interest was was yes, you do. strongly. St- I was st- my interest was strongly piqued, thinking, "Have I missed some kind of Eidolon esque game all these years?" And I was like, "Oh, this could be really good because you've got you've got essentially you've got like the the view from inside the the Eidolon. So you've got this kind of diving bell, curved sort of window in front of you into the blackness in front. There are fish swimming about. So imagine the Eidolon, but in in the darkness of Loch Ness. So you're deep down, you've got this bank of controls at the bottom." Um, and a couple of hands that move about. Uh, visually, it reminded me of um, Captain Blood. Is it Captain Blood on the Amiga? Yeah, 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 with the finger, uh, yeah. That, so that was, because there you had a couple of hands, didn't you, which you moved about the controls. Yeah. Right, one right. sort of gnarly oh, alien finger, yeah. Yeah, one gnarly alien finger. One. So it reminded me a little bit of that. So so you've got, you know, your actual in-game image is similar to that of the Eidolon. So the, the blackness of the lock in front of you rather than the sort of the grayness of the, you know, the, the caves of the Eidolon. Fish swim past and aliens come for you. Um, you've got these controls across the bottom of the diving bell which you can look out of. You've got, uh, so you can, these controls allow you, you know, uh, do everything basically so there's not much in the way of that you don't control anything with the joysticks you don't move yourself forward back left and right with a joystick that's all controlled by these controls on the diving bell dashboard so you can change your weapon from a harpoon to an electric blast and there's which you know if aliens get older the hull you can use the alien electric blast to get rid of them you can shoot them with a harpoon uh there are controls for movement lights uh, there's a bellows to put more air in you can controls for left and right so you have to do them and essentially you move left and right and use up and down on the joystick to choose these controls uh like i said reminding me of captain blood it seems quite complex but it's not and it is at the same time because it problem is that that's it <laughs> And yep. the, the jankiness of this, the problem with this comes from the fact of like, is that the controls, where the Eidolon kept itself nice and simple in its controls, you know, forward, back, left, right, turn and shoot and space badges to collect stuff. This tries to overcomplicate matters by using weird dials and stuff to move you forward and turn you and up and, and turning. And it's just too much because... It's again, it's that joystick control. You know, if you're on the far right of controls and you want to get to your bellies, you've got to swip all the way to the left, push up and down. Then you've got to get back to your turning. Then you've got to get back to this. Then you've got to get to that. And it's, oh, eventually you just run out of stuff. So you just die all the time. Shooting aliens grows quite tiresome quite quickly. And, and death just seems to happen. I just kept dying. And I couldn't quite figure out why. Just, you just get this newspaper for push up. Yeah. Oh, you're dead. The visuals are okay. The bell interior is well designed, but the sound was pretty poor, I thought. And there's no atmosphere of being down in the depths. I was go- I was hoping, as I said, start when they started, I was kind of hoping this was going to be somewhere in the middle of the Eidolon and Race the Titanic for that kind of visual... You know, if they've gone for that kind of visual styling of Race the Titanic, that really clever sort of ra- sonic representation of what was around you, I thought that could have been quite interesting. But it's it 
but it doesn't do it. It sits in the middle ground and it takes the worst from both of them. No one wanted this. So it's got none of the action or the thrill. I know you don't find it that way, of the Eidolon, or the depth and visual flair of Rise of the Titanic. It suffers from over-controlism, I've put. And if they'd have been simplified, and I, and I thought instead of the Eidolon controls, this could have been something akin to Corona's Rift. Yeah. Um, where you could have like used the joystick to move up and down and you had a crosshair and then you moved it down onto the thing and then you control bits of the bell and back up to move around a bit. That would have been much better. It would have played much better and allowed you to switch from, or even allowing you to switch from if the, all those things at the bot, all those things that had just been mapped to keys. So you just had quick access, you know, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. You pressed them and it, you can just flick to them and you could have just moved them up and down. Once you got used to that, that could have been quite quick. You know, like you do in a lot of PC games and stuff. As it is, though, it just feels cumbersome. And once it feels cumbersome, it ain't fun to play. And that was my main beef with this. I wanted to, I really wanted to like this because I liked kind of, I liked what I thought what I was going to get. And, but what I got was not what I was sort of promised at the outset. And that was kind of left me a bit disappointed. What about you? Yeah. Bit of an odd game, this really, isn't it? It's kind of a weird race the Titanic, I like. Like you say, lots of brown in this game. Who knew that the inside of a diving bell would be so brown? Oh, yeah. And yellowy brown. I think the basic premise is so fundamentally flawed that anything after that is an afterthought. So the idea of going down and trying to find Loch Ness, which is what I thought this was about, isn't a bad yeah, yeah. idea, a la Raise the Titanic. That would have been quite interesting. But it isn't that, is it? It's but technically, it's kind of the world's crappiest shoot 'em up Yes. So... Yeah. I found the controls, like you say, it is, from a control perspective, just stupid. From a UI control perspective, stupid. If you're in something that shoots and moves left and right, then the joystick should move left and right and shoot with a button. I mean, it should, even in this sort of thing. So having all of that one-hand controlled buttons, clicking gauges, that worthy thing that goes round and round, moving your screen and your view left and right, and all of that stuff, it just it makes something complicated. The more complicated you make the controls, the less fun you're going to have with it if there's no payoff, and there isn't uh-huh. a payoff in this. At one point, the highlight of my playing experience, there was that some kind of octopus creature was sucking at the screen, which was which was just kind of some kind of medium rest sprite glued to the corner going, <laughs> and some kind yeah, of alarm yeah. thing was going on. So other than that, it was just kind of, I've spent most of my time either reversing away from dots or going towards brown dots, <laughs> and not much was happening in between. I got attacked by something at some point, no idea what it was, because by the time I'd figured out what I was doing and span a load of, dials and twirled a load of buttons i just got a newspaper clip in it was like dead gone and i'd surfaced i think somehow it just wasn't any fun what i wanted was a game that had real atmosphere that i was going down uh, and what i don't i also didn't understand by the way why they chose a diving bell now why not just make it like race the titanic did some kind of robotic well why not make it like jules jules verne-esque with like the nautilus a submarine that's the that's my that's my point i think that's what they kind of went for kind of a jules because the controls that you know the he has that the the sort of um the wheel that you spin doesn't he for what oxygen and those are i think they went for a jules verne inspired nautilus you know captain nemo inspired Hmm. look and feel but the game didn't play like that and so if that's the case then if you've got an aliens down there, and, you, and then I would suggest that you go down there with a more of a well-armoured, submersible submarine-type vehicle, which would have lent itself to a, a more controlling of that type. And it they could have maybe pushed it. I've got a w- weird feeling it would have just been a speedier trip to Dotsville. But either way, <laughs> it, would have probably played, <laughs> it would have probably played better than this. What I ended up with was feeling like I was stuck inside some kind of brown toilet cubicle, with the inability to escape unless I press the, se- <laughs> the right sequence of buttons. Periodically, brown dots firing towards me or away from me or moving around screens. 
So I just, sound like you're uh, describing the toilet in Demolition Man. <laughs> absolutely. I just got I got lost in the controls, and that meant that I wasn't playing the game. Which is yes. you know, and that yeah, hap- yeah. and that happens when you've got too many controls. This happens for all the flight simulators, and, and and this isn't a flight simulator, so it doesn't even have that. When there's too many controls and they're not obvious what they mm-hmm. do, and when you click a button and it just makes going to have alarm sound, you think, well, should is that a good thing? Should that happen <laughs> without any of that kind of information and no <laughs> telltale information? Mr. No, Mister Simpson, an alarm is never a good sign. <laughs> no, no, no. no we, don't just that. We need that to live. Um, <laughs> So it's just, in the end, all of that boils down to one simple question. Is this game any fun? And the answer, sadly, is no. Great tragedy, because there's such good material to make a game from, with even just Loch Ness. I know it's whatever it is. But this you could have made that into a really good mystery. You know, there's things down there, these creatures yeah, and stuff. Imagine you know. this in, in the hands of Luke, the guys who made Rescue and Fractalis, Corona yeah, 3. Yeah, well, it pretty much is that, isn't it? You're going along the bottom of the ocean, you know, the bottom of the lock. And, yeah, you absolutely. Know. It would have benefited from a little bit of uh, not being this. Yeah, so it's, it's, a not- great, it's a great idea if you take the aliens out and just patrolling the lock in a sort of Jules Verne type yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. And it could have been that, but well, I think that's the problem is that it's going in, it's pulling itself in different directions and doesn't know quite what it wants to be. Is it a Jules Verne, Nautilus, Captain Nemo style thing? Are you going to find giant clamshells and mysteries of the deep down there? Um, if that's the case, it doesn't need to be set in Loch Ness. It could just be set in the mysterious deep ocean, mm. and it's still Terror of the Deep. Or if it's set in Loch Ness and there's aliens, then make it. If it's more sci-fi, then make your ship you're in more sci-fi. Make it do more stuff. Make it look a bit less like something out of the Victorian era, where you know you can, you're gonna you've got to turn the handle to pump the oxygen. Just make it less like that. It doesn't quite work in this context, and this is too early for steampunk. So there's none of that. It's, it's not going to work in that context either. So no, no, yeah, shame, shame. Could have been a could have been a contender that. Yeah, but it was. But instead, it's uh, it's uh, out out for the count. Yep. Yeah, let's move on. It's better than the next one, though. Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> As a Graham, tell us all about the ineptly named Peter Shilton's Handball Maradona. <laughs> Stupid name to just make sure people that were angry at Maradona bought this, isn't it? Um, huh? So Peter Shilton, were, for those that aren't familiar, was a footballing legend goalkeeper. Currently holds the record for them playing more games for England men's team than anyone else, earning 125 caps. That seems like a lot of headwear for one guy. No. They're really big hair. It's, it's that they just reward you with caps. There's a flat cap. There's a beanie. Yeah. Just you win caps. Anyway, so this is... <laughs> you unsu- do know you get caps, don't you, for playing for your national team? I have no idea. I don't even know what it yeah, means. Yeah, they give you they give you a cap. I'm, That's well, what it is. I'm That's guess, why they call caps. I'm, I'm guessing it's something to do with that anyway. Yeah, um, a proper cap. So this is unsurprisingly a football game-ish. Or actually, to be more precise, this is a goal-saving game. So firstly, let me just say, right, getting into this game was a pain in the ass. Right, and I'm going to explain why. So, you when you start, it's you you select to use a joystick with the keyboard. Okay. <laughs> so instead yes. of just being able to use the joystick right from the get go, you have to select joystick, and then it, and that enables joystick. Then you've got to choose whether it's one player, but you do that by pressing the one or two keys on the keyboard, <laughs> which is weird since you've just chosen to use joystick. <laughs> then you enter your initials with the keyboard, which again is odd since you've chosen joystick. But okay. And then you choose your team, but you do that with the joystick. 
but you just yeah. anyway so so and then <laughs> i found exactly the same thing and I'm, and I'm guessing those teams that you can choose from were teams of the time okay so well, you choose that now still but it's but, but it's not immediately clear which team you've chosen because the football is the chooser doesn't align precisely with the name <laughs> of the team so it's not quite aligned properly so that when the ball rolls you think, i didn't mean that one i meant the one above it anyway so you choose the team with the joystick the football by the way is your selector icon thing then you can enter a skill code I'm guessing you get these at some point. And then you could choose from practice sessions, play the game, or skill upgrading. So if you practice, you have some practice shots taken at you. There's a little sort of get football pitch. It's played over kind of a view of the goal at the top of the screen and then a, a sort of a certain amount of the pitch. I guess the, just outside the box area, isn't it? I think yeah, a little you're, bit more. You're than basically that. seeing the penalty, penalty area. Penalty area. And it does shift slightly to the corners as well, but you're basically seeing the top, the top quarter of the pitch. And the goal is at the top. You're the goalie, obviously, and then they do a little jiggity boo and try and shoot goals at you. And that's the practice session. The idea of the practice session, obviously, save, save, and you control the goalie with your joystick. Now, the goalie doesn't have full control because you can't move him all the way forward. You can only move him so far forward. Um, About but two can, steps. Yeah, but you can go. Yeah, exactly. So, and I'm pretty sure goalies don't have that restriction in reality anyway. Just never mind that. So, the main game is played over two halves where you try and save attempts at goal from whatever team you've chosen. And so basically it plays out that like all of a sudden it's the goals they're coming towards you, they do a play and then, hey, Preston, you've got to save the ball. And it's all down to you saving. Now, what this got it's got to do with handball, Maradona, your guess is as good as mine. Skill upgrading gives you a chance to upgrade if you save four goals in a row, which is never going to happen in a million years, by the way. You're never going to do that. Because saving goal, I think I saved one goal out of all the games I played on this because they seem to have a real canny knack for being able to score past you no matter what you do. So the opposing players, will, they'll perform some kind of shots. It can be from a corner. It could be a penalty. It could just be from passing play. And the shots will always work their way towards you. And then you obviously you, you control the joystick, uh, control the goalie with the joystick and the fire button. And it's not clear what does what and how you die, but you kind of get the idea that if you move it towards and jump, you might stand a chance of getting to it. The graphics are quite small, undefined and surprisingly slow considering there aren't a lot of them on the screen when they do those bits, nope. which you don't really want as a goalie. It doesn't make you feel great that, you know, even in slow-mo, um, you can't save the bloody things. It's like watching, it's like pain, it's a painful reminder of what happens in many, many England games. It's incredibly hard to save the shots, I think, I, I would say. The sound is weird. Um, it's got really bizarre speech. I like to call it, you know, it's, it's, I put the sound is the usual Sid chip pan. So it's. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so someone's throwing water on a chip pan, interrupted with crap speech, which goes, goal or save, <laughs> which I think should be introduced to regular football. Wait, uh, so. Yes, what a don't great forget, goal! Don't forget when it boots up and it goes, Peter Shilton's handball oh, Maradona. Don't, don't. Peter Shilton's handball Maradona. I might even get a snapshot if I can find it and put that in. Peter Shilton's handball Maradona. So, what can you say? I don't know what this has got to do with Maradona at all, but it's basically a goalie simulator. It's a very poor game. It's very samey. Very little fun to be had here for me. And I don't even like football, but... No, surprise, surprise. It's not very good. What did you think? Um, I love the fact that I've given you both the football games. <laughs> oh, no, I, I did know. the double, didn't I? Did I do the double or did you do it? No, I did, did the double, double but I've I? got another one. Yeah, you have actually. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah, they had a football section. Anyway, did you ever want to be a goalie for crew? No. <laughs> well, yes. Well, yes, yes, you did. <laughs> did anyone? Because now you can live out your dreams in full 8-bit quality in this misleadingly titled game. Peter Shilton, Fanball Maradona. That's what I've written here. We've got two, actually, two really badly titled games to end this section off with. This is the first one. Um, yes. We don't see many goalkeeper sims, and there's a reason for that. It's boring. 
It is. It's very very quickly the art of diving around a goal, a shot after shot goes through your body um, until you learn the patterns becomes very dull indeed. Uh, it is an interesting take for a game, but it's not implemented very well at all. No. The sprites are substandard and chunky, and the physics on the ball. Uh, uh, there's got to be football references here, so you know you can you can laugh politely. Doesn't matter. But the physics on the ball would have Roberto Carlos scratching his head as the ball swerves or speed up at will, making your pathetic dives and lurches between the sticks even more pointless. <laughs> Roberto Carlos. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I thought you'd get that one. He was the Brazilian right back who did that incredible free kick where he bent it and sort of defied the laws of physics around the Scottish wall um, in a game against what, them. Hadrian's it, wall. No, no the, the the Scottish players. He bent it. Oh. He bent it so far. There's a shot from behind. It's like it going out towards the corner post almost, and it just bends back in. And it's, got, it's an incredible shot. I sense a anyway, YouTube in the in the future. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's just crap. But uh, so and the. the Everything you've said is rubbish. It's just a terrible game. The the, 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 the graphics are crap and everything like that. The thing with this game uh, is you can't get away from it. It's the title, the name, um, as you noted, a sort of thing, but this is an era, we're in 1987, so in an era of British hooliganism, uh, yes. British football being yeah. seen as one of the worst in Europe, to release this... Yeah. With that name, which is in, which is simply to stoke up some kind of nationalist pride, yeah. is just plain wrong. The game has nothing to do with Peter Shilton or Maradona. No. What you know, this was this is coming out in the beginning of 1987. The, the whole thing, you, you know what the deal is, don't you? It's yeah, the, yeah, it's the yeah. The hand of God and all that. The hand of God and everything around that. So this has nothing to do with Peter Shilton or Maradona or anything like that. You're not even called Peter Shilton in the game. No. You're just a goalkeeper. You just pick a team and you just play. So it's it's it, 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 I, it. I remember at the time thinking this is a weird title, and then when I played it, I was like, I don't quite understand this because it's just odd. But looking back on it now with a more nuanced take of what was going on in in England at the time and everything, mm. it's it's really bad, really really bad. Um, and I think it's one of the you know I don't know the next one gives it a run for its bloody money, but um, this is a really badly titled game. I mean, if if you take if you strip that away, it's still a bad game. But maybe if this had released, I mean, it's six ninety five. But if if this was two quid, and uh, I've got some uh, alternative names with a more realistic name, so I've got between the sticks, right? In in, in safe hands, I'll stop your balls going in my net. <laughs> <laughs> Very descriptive. Any, any, anything else? I don't know. Go, That's you know, like poetry. Dive, dive dive for glory. Um, anything would have been better than you know. You know, I don't know football goalie sim it could have been okay as a couple of quid and with a decent title you could have got a bit of fun from this but as it stands for seven quid and with that name this can do one as far as i'm concerned yeah so no i hated this i really disliked it i, re- I disliked what it was trying to do yeah from yeah, a from from that kind of thing and so this this kind of this is one of those things that all the wrong things about this are wrong yeah. <laughs> all of it it's not even a good game but you know yeah anyway there, there you go that's my thoughts on Peter Shilton's. Sorry about the swearing. Peter Shilton's handball Maradona. Yeah, it's a, apologize. It's a piece, piece of crap. Yeah, it is. There you go. Anyway, so let's move on to the let's move on to our last one for this section. Um, which is the equally appallingly named Agent Orange. Mm, troubled. Uh, yeah. Anyway, right. We'll let's put the name side to one for the moment. We'll come back to it. Another bi-directional scrolling shoot 'em up. Um, so, it's, and this is not a particularly very good one. It makes this Erebus in comparison is you know a, a work of art, a state yes. of the art. So, what's this all about? Aliens are infecting planets with some strange weed, and you are the pilot of a spaceship armed with Agent Orange. 
Christ. And sent out to destroy this strange weed or something or other. The game starts with some options and allows you to move between planets and trade ships and then launch into the planet. And I didn't quite understand what I was no, doing. Did you, no. It was a very, very confusing menu system that, because there was no explanation for anything. What am I supposed no. to be doing here? And trade ships, and then you can launch into the planet itself. And when it when it starts, I thought I was playing a DOS game. Mm-hmm. It, look, it looks just green and black with this weird... I, I don't even... Are you a spaceship? Because I don't understand what you are. No, I didn't. I, I, it's really odd. The graphics are crap. It's very green and black mm. and very, very empty. You see, your craft moves about, and there's these, uh, there's this odd other craft, the odd one or two other craft that sort of come towards you, uh, and you can shoot them. There's only ever one on screen. So just to make it challenging, their explosion takes ages to dissipate, and if you fly into it, you blow up as well, which is very annoying. Yeah. When they die, they drop a pod. If you could pick that up, you get more seeds because the whole point is on the planet um there's these alien weed is sort of growing and you can shoot it and drop your own weed to grow over oh, it stupid. and there's other stuff growing it, it makes really no sense so you plant more weed it's a boring and confusing game it looks and sounds rubbish now the main point here is for those who don't know agent orange was a herbicide and defoliant chemical that was used in vietnam that caused major health problems to millions of vietnamese and their offspring and the American was, soldiers as well. And the American soldiers. This is a essentially, for all intents and purposes, a, 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 you know, a nerve agent that was dropped knowingly by the American government throughout Vietnam and yeah. caused untold, you know, levels of suffering. pain, suffering to millions and millions of people for in both years America and Vietnam. Come. Yeah, and even you know, offspring and everything have been you know, you know children. So, at what point? Do you think calling your game that is a good idea? Because, and think, oh, no one will notice. Agent Orange is, it's this not an unheard of thing. But to, to slap it on a crap game, to try and bring maybe some kind of notoriety, I don't know. I don't understand. It's 10 quid. It's a, it's a poor thing. It's a, another game and another name that really just annoyed me. And, and I, 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 it was crap to play. It, it was annoying. I didn't like it. And yeah, bad. Um, it's this double bill in quick succession has left a, a tainted taste in my mouth that's yes. just uh, you know the worst of the 1980s yeah. i don't know what did you think oh another dull lifeless shooter with added dull trading as you rightly said a really ridiculous overcomplicated ui now i have designed uis at one point for a living and i can tell you that it's just simplicity is always the key to good ui and this isn't simple mm-hmm. it's just stupid and the overarching story is really stupid as well and you know that what that means so you get this buggy, jerking, scrolling piece of stupid shit. The backgrounds are really oddly bicolour, which leaves the main sprites looking badly drawn anyway in kind of medium res. You can shoot things sometimes, but you die more often in the explosions they leave behind, which is ridiculous. And it just wasn't very good. The sound is resi- just reduced to simple, you know, early 1983 bips and boops. And it's just really, really rubbish. There's nothing nothing about this game that hasn't been done a million times better in a, in a, you know a hundred other games there's nothing there at all it's just lifeless meaningless crud with you know the added topping of a distasteful nomenclature akin to a poisonous chemical agent that's wounded maimed and killed millions of people why on earth would anyone release something like this and at 995 just no it, you know no. the you know the, the 80s was a weird time and strange things did get released and this is just another one of those things that's, you know, spatter, spat out of the cauldron of the 80s that has made us look at it and with fresh eyes and, and fresh perspective and think, you know, these things should never have been like the Maradona thing 
and the game, you know, the handball Maradona in this exactly the same distasteful reasons as LA SWAT and a number of other games that have popped out that cauldron in the last few episodes. Um, mm. They need to go back in there and never really resurface because they're unpleasant, distasteful. And quite frankly, it, it's it's a great tragedy that they're even out there. They're a part of a history we don't really want to ever really think about. The best thing to do, in the immortal words of Tron, is um, derez them, delete them. <laughs> Absolutely. Just, I just don't. Yeah. I, no, it's just it was crap anyway. I mean, even if this was the greatest game in the world, it's always going to have that. Always got that name. And mm. no, no, yeah. no, 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 no. Let's delete no. these programs. Yeah, yes, absolutely. Delete them. Absolutely. Send them into that big spinny thing and... Yeah, the MCP let, will deal with them. Let the MCP absorb them. Yep. Oh, pig um, nose. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's pig nose itself. <laughs> <laughs> so there you go. On that slightly distasteful last couple of games, I didn't even put them together on purpose. No. Um, no. It just kind of happened. And there, there you go. So sometimes, you know, we call it out as we see it. It is what it is. Uh, that's it. So there's the first five games we've looked at. Uh, we'll be back very shortly after this break, where we'll be looking at film and TV for March 1987. So hopefully we can ha- we can lighten them tone a little bit yes. um, and, and have some laughs with that. And so uh, we'll see you after this break. Tasty sandwiches to our amazing sponsor, DavidHernWriter.com, where you'll find bargain books, ebooks, and audiobooks. I think we should hear a sample from his brilliant audiobook, Paddy Go Easy, What Happens When You Hit and Run, narrated by the man himself, David Hearn. The super shook his head. Are you threatening me? Paddy bit off more of the burger. Maybe, he said between chews. What if I am? The super walked away in disgust. A thin man in his mid-forties with glasses, a Hawaiian shirt and cargoes slid over to him. Watch your back, buddy. The super has it in for you. Don't give him any more ammo. Oh, he can go and get nicked, Paddy said with a grin. Don't worry, Lester. I know how to deal with dickheads. Lester smiled a toothy grin. Well, buddy, you get back to your net browsing. I'll look after the router logs so they can't ping you. Paddy hit Alt-Tab on the keyboard and looked up another YouTube video of funny cats. This one played the piano. Gold. Boom shakalakalaka. Fantastic as always. Visit davidhernwriter.com to find out more. Okay, welcome back. Uh, That was your first lot of games. So now let's move on into film and TV for March 1987. Uh, so what was going on? Well, uh, on the 6th of March, BBC One aired The Elephant Man, David Lynch's acclaimed film about Joseph Merrick. Aye. Uh, the film that prompted at least 8 million school children to do with really Im- nasty impersonations <laughs> of someone. It did. It, yeah, it did. You know, it the, did, we it all did. know it did. We all know. I'm not going to do it, obviously. Poor guy that he was. What was? Yes. Do you know what he actually? Obviously, I mean, it wasn't. He didn't suffer from being an elephant. But what, what, what did he suffer from? What was, oh, was I the, don't know. I think it was just severe, sort of severe physical deformity. Absolutely. I don't know the sort of medical breakdown for it, shall we say? But it just. I think that was the first time I'd watched a film where the the sort of makeup on the main character really freaked me out because it was. You kind of forget that because it's amazing the makeup on it for its time. The mm. sort of you know the makeup effects on John Hurt, isn't it? And all that. It is John Hurt, yes. So it's it's incredible. Well, I mean, what do you do? You like the film? Do you not like the film? Um, I do. It's okay. I mean, it's not what I go back to and watch 
ever. <laughs> well, it's not um, going to be on your it, uh, casual it, happy weekend hard, list, hard, it? Yeah, it's a hard watch, isn't it? It's yeah. not a... Um, and I know it's quite uplifting in a, in a certain sense, but there's certain moments in it which I really don't like, and it's like, you know what? I've seen it. I've seen it a couple of times, and, and that's, that's, that's me done. I, I know... It's just not something you want to sort of put yourself through. You've got to be really no. in the right frame of mind to watch something like that. And Absolutely. I don't think I've ever, I don't think I've watched it in the last 30 years. So I'm not quite sure what that frame of mind is. No, nowadays it's a, it's a difficult film to watch at best, I think. Yeah. I found it, what I found a bit odd is that, because it, it's kind of the film that led David Lynch down a road that he didn't really want to go down. And by mm-hmm. that, I mean that, yeah, because this really put him on the map because it was nominated for eight Academy Awards and it got all the applaud and acclaim and everything else. They even added a new Oscar after this film, even though it never received a makeup effects, uh, make, a makeup effects Oscar. They actually added one, which mm. ironically, the following year, which was the Academy Award for Best Makeup, that went to American Wolf in London in 1981. Remember, this is the TV mm-hmm. show of this film, so it was back then. Yeah, yeah. But I think because it's a David Lynch film and it was so successful, it then led him to get lots of offers of new films and other films to do. Which inevitably led him down the road to him doing Dune, and then, <laughs> and then of course, thankfully, he moved on from that horrific. I mean, he did. A, I actually think he did a great job for what he had. But then, of course, you've got his TV series, and he kind of got back into the kind of the role of David Lynch, which is kind of this unusual. Yeah, sort of sits on the I mean, you don't forget. But, I mean, after Dune, you got things like Blue Velvet and things like that. That yeah, did yeah, and, yeah. That's what I mean. So he kind of got back to it, but I think this set him up for the the big director in Hollywood, kind of because of the Oscar which nominations. Which maybe he never was, you mean? Yeah, I don't think he was ever. Oh, he never didn't have that sensibility. No, I think, yeah. he, and in interviews that I've watched with him, he doesn't come over as the kind of guy that would really that would sit well with him anyway. And I mean, there's a really great interview with him about Dune and his experience and that, which he, you know, he's pretty candid about how much he, you know, hated the whole thing from start to finish and <laughs> the experience of it because they just, it was just went out of control in crazy ways. But anyway, yeah. But yeah, I, I like this film. Um, did you know, by the way? That this was actually one of the uncredited producers is Mel Brooks for that film. Yes, I did know that. I, di- I didn't know that till I looked it up. I thought, how odd. Good job they didn't put him on the credits, really. People might have gone in there with a very different... It's Mel Brooks' film. <laughs> Mel Brooks' Elephant Man. That's a very different uh, That's a very different film, isn't well, it? Well, you'd know it wasn't a proper Mel Brooks film because it didn't have um, the usual cast of Mel Brooks films in it. So no Madeline Kahn. Yeah, no Gene Wilder. No Gene Wilder. No, the usual the cast of that he has in there. Yeah. Um, but I do remember when this was on TV, it's, it has quite a profound effect, actually, on me, this, when I watched it. But I remember I remember watching it on TV at the time. We were made to, kind of, because it was kind of, you know, for some reason, and I'm not 100% sure why, or why it became this important to my mum for us all to watch it, but she, she made us all watch it. Um, I'm not sure what that was all about, but I just remember my takeaway memory from it is lots of Anthony Hopkins staring with kind of watery eyes. And that they pierce into your soul. Those things. <laughs> he's got he's got eyes that can look right through you and and see the far off hills of Wales. The, the film I watched with him in after that was something called I think it's Mary Rose. Or some, the Audrey, Audrey Rose. There's something of Audrey Rose. Oh, Audrey, oh yeah, the, yeah, yes. I know. Yeah, it's not the possession of Audrey Rose. I know the one you mean. I think it's just Audrey Rose. Yeah, it? where he shouts. The last scenes of the film are him shouting Audrey Rose. Audrey Rose. Audrey Rose with watery watery eyes. <laughs> those watery. Powerful watery eyes of his. <laughs> Anthony Hopkins and your watery eyes. He even has that when he's bloody um, Hannibal. Watery eyes. Even yeah. when he's, you know, eating that guy's well, he brain. He had those particularly watery eyes when we, he did that single that we covered sometime back, God, didn't he? he did, remember? Yeah. yeah, he did. Yeah. And he was, his eyes single. were very watery then. <laughs> Oof. I mean, he's in Dracula, isn't he? Watery eye Dracula. <laughs> it's the man himself. He's grown watery. <laughs> he's all watery of eye. Just get some, you know, they're, they're watery eyes, you know. He's got a cold or, I don't know, anyway. Anyway, it's probably just something, you know, he's maybe got a little bit of conjunctivitis. He could get some drops for that. 
It wouldn't have the same effect then. It'd be like, dry eyed Anthony Hopkins, get out. You're not making anyone not feel uncomfortable. Get out. The first the first film I remember Anthony Hopkins in was Magic. I don't think I've ever seen that. Do you remember Magic? The one the one where he um, he has the ventriloquist dummy. Mm, no, it doesn't ring a bell. He has the ventriloquist dummy and he basically he becomes he becomes obs- not obsessed, but uh, he becomes convinced that he's he's got like a you know, multiple split psychosis personality. And so the the dummy starts to take over him and it's kind of this weird psychological horror. Uh, it's from the seventies, I think. Yeah, it's about. a strange film. Magic, it's called. Okay. It's uh, Anthony Hopkins and a dummy terrorise a woman. Okay, now I don't believe I've ever seen that. Is, is that's the first thing I remember him from. There's okay. just bits in it, because the, the dummy never moves or talks, and he sort of does the not. voice like a ventriloquist for him. Well, mm. he, he, that's, you know, is what I it might is. track it's it down. His head. Uh, I, can't, I can't remember if it's any good. Oh, but it's track an it Anthony down. Hopkins film. There you go. 9th of March, uh, there was the debut of Central Television's Intimate Contact, which was a drama dealing with the issue of AIDS. It was everywhere, wasn't it? AIDS uh, at this point. Uh, Not literally. I mean, it was, but, but, <laughs> but on TV. Unfortunate turn of phrase there. Yeah, it was absolutely <laughs> everywhere. It was no, everywhere. Uh, it, was, uh, it was on TV, wasn't it? It was the thing to talk about and do. And mm-hmm. Apparently, this is, uh, this is uh, Intimate Contact was a drama dealing with the issues, like you say. So Yeah, sounds quite bleak. I don't doubt that it... I mean, what? How could it not be? It was written by Al Well, McCullen. don't forget that Central tried to do a comedy TV show about AIDS, so... They you know, did, yeah. I, I imagine that was bleak. Imagine they put so this on it. after that. It's like, oh, God, we've, do, we've, we've made it too light-hearted. <laughs> Quick, doom the mood, doom the mood. Get the person who wrote um, Touch of Frost and Inspector Mawson. Funny enough, that was weirdly, that was that particular drama was directed by Waris Hussain, who was also the director of the very first series of Doctor Who. Oh, you had to wangle Who in, didn't you? <laughs> I'm, just, I'm not going to say any more about it. <laughs> the who, he the did. who cast. He did. He did the very first Who. So okay. yeah, and I was just reading through. I'm not going to read through the story of that, but it is pretty bleak. You know, a guy has a sex with a prostitute, finds out he's got AIDS, and he's you know he's diagnosed. I mean, I suppose it's dealing with some important things in there. It's just mm. you know, and it is, but it's. I, I I wonder how overdramatic it gets in that. I bet it's you know. I bet it's bleak. anyway. Yeah, because it was dealt with properly later, wasn't it? This is still at the early stages of. Of yeah, well, it hadn't, hadn't hit Hollywood properly yet. We hadn't had Philadelphia. No, but I suppose the, the one thing I will say about this is it's progressive enough to not just keep blaming on, you know, on the homosexuals and things like that, which was before, yes, prior yeah, to this was rife yeah. at the time. This is at least, a, you know, it's a, from what the description says, anyway, it's like a heterosexual guy that cheated on his wife with a prostitute and then picked up um, the HIV virus through unprotected sex that way. So Yeah, I mean, it's going down that don't be promiscuous route, isn't it? Yes, actually, promiscuous. Promiscu- yeah. promiscuity, is, promiscuity is bad, MK. Yeah, and then it's the, it's the, when it becomes public, public knowledge, he faces hostility and ignorance from friends, colleagues, and those in the local community, which no, I can only imagine that's, uh, that's played out many, like, many times to some people. It's horrible, really. I just like my normal everyday life. <laughs> you know, it's walking down the street. Yeah, just, <laughs> just hate, constantly plagued. Hating on the, uh, yeah, just plagued and hated people hating on it. Yeah, they do. Yeah, just, you know, eggs thrown at me. Central television just probably isn't the production house ready for dealing with something of that magnitude. And they're giving it such no. a cheesy name. And later contact. on Central Television, Intimate Contact. <laughs> well, if it, do it, you have to do it in the uh, uh, red verse. How would red verse say it? Uh, in, intimate, I don't know how you do Intimate Contact. You do it in Intimate Contact. <laughs> intimate Contact. <laughs> With Daniel Macy. Actually, get that wrong, wouldn't it? It'd be, it'd be Danali yes. Mas, Mas, Massey. <laughs> Written by Aylma Cullen. Cullen. <laughs> Oh, good old Redfords. All right, 9th of March, 
was the debut series for French and Saunders on BBC Two, which ran for 20 years. Wow. 1987 to 2007. I thought it started a lot earlier than that, but I was getting it mixed up with some of their other things they did before they did French and Saunders. Yes. Yeah, because they were in comic strip and all those kind of things. They were part of that Footlights review, weren't they, that came out of Oxbridge, I think. Yes. Yes, uh, I do indeed. believe. Um, and so, yeah, they were in like uh, Fistful of Travellers Checks, I think they were in, weren't they? And Five Go Mad in Dorset. Yes, they were the um, in the camper van in Fistful of Travellers Checks. I think it's Shazza were, and yes. somebody. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't know. Did you get on with the French? I'm not quite sure I ever sort of no. connected with the French and Saunders TV show. No, it didn't connect with me. I remember really wanting to like it because I remember them from the comic strip stuff. And vaguely, because there are only bit parts really in that. Mm. Um, and they played a, they, they were in the young ones they were in now and again, um, because I think it's, I'm pretty yeah. sure it's Dawn French that appears in Hell on the adverts, actually on the Video Nasty episode. And then there was Girls on Top, which was that kind of a girl version of the young ones where they were kind of, there was Ruby Wax, um, French and Saunders. Oh God, yeah, I remember that. And I want to say Tracy Ullman was the fourth one, but it could be wrong. But there was that kind of, it was a kind of a young ones, but girls living in a flat doing sort of similar stuff. Uh, and then this this sort of sketch show came along. Now, I only really remember it. I don't remember any of their sketches, unlike I could tell you about six off the top of my head from Monty Python or from Two Ronnies or any of them. So I don't remember any of those from this. I do remember their band Raw Sex because it was. I remember Roland River and being in it. Yes. I don't remember anything mm-hmm. that they sounded like, but nothing really sticks out. And then later, they became kind of a film and TV parody thing, which I just didn't get to me at all. I found it unfunny. I, don't, no, I, don't, I never would, saw what was funny about it. No, and I suppose, I mean, they became part of the sort of comedy establishment because um, yeah. obviously Don French would go on to do the hugely popular uh, Vicar of Dibley. Yeah. And um, Dinner for Saunders would go on to do Absolutely Fabulous. Fabulous, yeah. And then, of course, you've got, they make appearances in films all over the shop, don't they? With... Oh, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I, I've got, you know, I, they always make me laugh kind of thing when they're on, but I just, I don't remember much of their TV show. I just don't. No, I, I don't. I don't know whether it just, just didn't hit me at the right time, I think. Yeah, and I think I, perhaps it was just not quite, anarchic and I'd, i think it i think i'd been kind of i'd kind of seen enough of those kind of things by that point because there was quite a lot of them coming out there was obviously you had uh, smith and jones and you yeah. had french and saunders and there was a whole batch of sort of you know um hugh and laurie there was a whole batch of yeah no, not hugh and laurie that was hugh laurie it was hugh and fry wasn't it of, yeah 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 not to be not to be confused with Hugh and Cry the band, <laughs> but there was a whole batch of um, there was a whole batch of sort of double acts that seemed to come out of this new oh, Oxbridge type. Thing. It, was, it was the crap one that did the stonk and the management. That was um, Hale and Pace. Hale and Pace. There was, but there was quite a lot. So I think I was just kind and of they were crap though. Dewed out, and it never reached me that. But some of the film stuff's quite interesting. You know, she's obviously in Shrek too, isn't she? Jennifer Saunders. She's the oh, she's yes, yes, she's the uh, fairy godmother, isn't so, she? Yeah, they just yeah. appear now and again in something. But to to run for twenty years, that's. Uh, yeah, Not bad going. Well, something must be popular, of course. They must be like, and they're up, like you say, once you're a part of the establishment, I think. You no, know, and they they achieve some crazy popularity as well. There's some of their some of their viewing figures for some of their shows, especially the later ones, are crazy numbers. Um, yeah. they did a Science of the Lambs parody, I think, and it's one of the like one of the most watched comedy series. Of oh the yeah, it's Don Don French's um, yeah. Water, watery-eyed Anthony Hopkins. Yeah, exactly. Just to link it all back up. Yeah, I, I didn't get, <laughs> I didn't get the joke. You know, I don't you know a, a cannibalistic serial killer isn't always what you call classic fodder for a <laughs> side-splitting <laughs> no. sketch. But uh, what do I know? What do I? What know? do you know? I don't not, know. Not nothing. Nothing. We know now. No nothing. Twenty um, first of March. Ugh. Uh, yeah, Opportunity Knox returns to British television after a decade-long break, and it's now on BBC One and is presented by Bob Monkhouse. Yes. And it airs under the title, Bob Says Opportunity Knox. Yeah, 
Good branding change that. Well done. Well done. Didn't take much, <laughs> really, did, did it? Do you reckon he did say it, though? Or did he... I think know, he would have asked them what... not to. <laughs> do you think... Because if he says Bob says opportunity knocks at the beginning, then he has to say it's Bob says Bob says opportunity knocks. <laughs> That'd be brilliant, yeah. A double Bob. Double yeah. Bobbins. <laughs> a double Bobber. I liked Bob Monkhouse as a comedian. He's of his time. All, yeah, But he, he come out time, some good yeah. one-liners. I'm so unlucky I cut the wreath at a funeral once is what springs to mind. That's one of his. <laughs> Um, and just stuff like that. I quite like that about him. This show was just awful, though. I hated it. I just I don't like yeah. these kind of shows. Even now, I don't I don't tune into any of the. Well, Britain's he became the sort of king of game shows, didn't he? He did, he did for a did while. Loads didn't he? of game shows, but right off the top of my head, I can't think of one right now. Well, he did. What did um, he do? He did. Did he do um, fa- Family Fortunes? Family Fortunes. He did. Yeah. He did Family Fortunes, didn't he? Yeah, he did. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, there you go. Family uh, Fortunes, uh, what a show. No, you're wrong. Yeah. He did. He did do it. Ask, <laughs> ask Mr. Babbage. <laughs> Good old Mr. Babbage. Mr. Babbage. They always give him a name as well. What was the one in the catchphrase? That well, Babbage, one, Mr. Babbage Chips. one of the creators of the original computer, isn't yeah, it, Babbage? Yeah, I know. What a downturn of a thing that was. <laughs> he invented the computer, this beautiful mechanical computer, the Babbage, you know, the engine, yeah. the analytical engine, that just, was called. And then, and then in his waning years, I had to sit behind the screen of a thingy and just go, ah, ah. Yeah, but he had a really complex mechanical way of doing that. He'd press a button, it would turn a cog that would spin a spindle, it would go through a five-minute loop and they'd go, like, wow, can we just record that sound? No. They edited that out of every show. They had yeah. to wait five minutes for it to get the answer right or wrong. <laughs> he also did the bong sound when they got it right. <laughs> Surprisingly, uh, actually, a lot of people went through that show, though, didn't they? The old Opportunity Knocks. I've got a little list here. Paul Daniels, on, Les Dawson, Little and Large. Lenny Henry. He has a lot to answer for that show. <laughs> well, there's, there's actually, there's a lot more that there's like loads more. Frank Carson, there's loads of them. If you look at it online, there's literally loads. However, the one thing I will took away from all of that was that Sue Pollard was once beaten into second place on that show by a singing dog. I'm glad you said, because uh, you've written it down here. When I just read that, I just thought it was a random sentence you'd put down at the end. <laughs> Sue Pollard was once beaten into second place by a singing dog. It's like, <laughs> if you just had a brain wrong, <laughs> has that got anything to do with opportunity not? Yeah. Yes, because Sue Pollard <laughs> right. famously was on it. Oh, um, I don't know. What was she doing? Being beaten by a singing dog. Clearly not being good <laughs> enough to be not beaten by a singing dog is what she was doing. Well, imagine how bad you'd have to be to be beaten in second place by a singing dog. Well, that's, Dogs can't and that's, sing. That, and the thing is, it was because they originally had the famous clapometer on that show, and I think they did still have a bit of that later. Um, oh, they did, yeah. But Back later, in the 70s, in this, it, actually, was, yeah. this this introduced the telephone voting thing. That, that whole thing was was invented for this for Bob Say's Opportunity Knocks that didn't exist properly before that. And oh. then that also then uh, changed the way they do these things forever after that. So that whole public vote, now it's the de facto way of X Factor, Britain's Got Talent, all of those shows, all of them do it. Even the, oh, yeah, the, yeah. the Mask Singer, uh, Mask Singer, the Mask Singer is, and all those new crazy things. Are, you talk, um, you talk that about shows audience. that I only ever witnessed via Gogglebox. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, the, the mask singer is uh, that isn't yet uh, thankfully. Uh, but you know the ice skate one is it dancing on ice? Strictly, I was going to say strictly come dancing, but it's strictly ballroom. No, it's strictly come dancing. Yeah, all of those they're all now you know they utilise yeah, that phone because they realised yeah. of course they can make a lot of money off it too. So yeah, yeah, true. Well, I, I presume all that lot started. Well, it was pop uh, pop pop idol, wasn't it? Pop idol was another First one, big yeah. one. And that and the big and that and Big Brother. But you know what it made me think because I remember there's a couple of things it made me think of. Right, firstly. That you, it wouldn't be like it is now, where you have like a, a five-digit text number to send in, or or something like that. This would have been like a full-blown phone number, and a lot of yeah, people would have, would have had dial phones. It would have taken forever to ring that bloody ex- ring up. It must have taken ages. It would, and there'd have been no like you'd have to have got through to someone 
Yeah. And, and register your vote. So they've had to add lots of people in the audio, in the studio. Can you imagine it's be zap did 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 hello and then hello? Yes. the singing dog. I would say like even if but because even if you were posh back then and had one of the push button phones, it still did the number of clicks, didn't it? Even when you pressed the button. So you press nine and you were like you were in for the long haul. Yeah, you was like I press nine. Well, that's why I can never understand why the police were nine nine nine. No. Weird. It's the longest number to dial. Yeah, it should be nine one one, which is in America. Or one one one. Or one one one. Or just pick up the phone and just go police. <laughs> and Sting goes, yes, <laughs> not you. Get off this line. <laughs> we're record. We're recording a new album. <laughs> get off. What's the time? May as well utilise you. Now you're on. I don't get on with Stuart. <laughs> and I'm dreaming of blue turtles. <laughs> <laughs> this, is the last time, this, is, this is the last time ever speaking to you staying now get off this phone <laughs> stop shouting police down your phone then <laughs> it's not even a phone it's just a, two cans on a bit of string <laughs> and you've got one in my house it'll be a bloody restraining order next time <laughs> Bernard whatever your name is <laughs> Bernard Manning <laughs> okay yeah what's, so, what's Sting's name it's not Bernard is it no I don't think it's Bernard I, was, I thought it was something Bernard what is it what is his real name I thought it was Bernard. It, I thought it was is um, it Bernard. I thought it was no. I don't know. <laughs> I'm going to, have to look it up now. Right, you you dive into the next thing while I look that up. All right, okay. Well, you look that up, sort of thing. That's it. That's it for TV. There wasn't much going on. Gordon Matthew Thomas Sumner. Who is it? Gordon. It's Gordon Sumner, isn't it? I knew Gordon it was Sumner. Sumner. Yeah, not not uh, Bernard. <laughs> not Bernard Matthews. No. Because no. <laughs> no. that would be very <laughs> beautiful. Now that would be don't, unusual. <laughs> don't stand so close to me, beautiful. That would have been a turn, wouldn't it? If it turned out that Bernard Ma- Bernard Manning would, would have been even weirder. <laughs> but boo boo, beautiful. Um, <laughs> right, film. What was going on in the, in the land of cinemas? The Color of Money was out on the sixth of March. It was. was it um, this is the follow up to the Hustler. It was with Mister Cruz and Mister Newman. Yes. Um, the um, Newman starring in this. Do you like Color of Money? Not really. I didn't really like The Hustler that much when I happened to watch that some time ago. and Because I was going on a bit of a Martin Scorsese trip, but I wanted to watch the original. Uh, because it is a direct mm. follow-on from The Hustler as well. Same character, Paul Newman and everything. It just plays mm. him 20 years old or whatever it is. Or whatever. I didn't think it was very good because Tom Cruise is really weird in that film. Tom, I don't think Tom Cruise is particularly very good in it. I don't no. think Tom Cruise at this point has learned how to properly act. No, he's really weird in it. He's a bit like he is in a few of those early Tom Cruise movies. He's just a bit... Cocktail. Yeah, he's like he is in Cocktail. So he's, it's like he's just like all of his personality has been erased from his face. Yeah. Yeah, no, I know what you mean. Does that really annoying... Does he do that talk about his mm. um, his doom or something? He's, he's yes. Because uh, do you know that's where they got the name Doom from as well, by the way, for the, for the video game? Is it really? Yeah, I they took it that. from that that speech. According to, I think it's in, I think it's in the book Masters of Doom, and I think it's also on a uh, a video. Where I think, oh. I think what's his face, John, not Carmack, the other one, Romero says it. No, no, I um, I, it, it's not a terrible film because it's a Scorsese film, and he doesn't generally do bad films. He just does much better films later, and this isn't. It, I think he's when he works with the right actors, the films are really good. When he works with other actors that aren't Robert De Niro. The films tend to be not as good. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, he's in a weird period at this point, isn't he, Scorsese? Because mm. I think it's probably in the same, what we said about David Lynch. Yeah. He's in a sort of strange Hollywood moment because he's not, I don't I don't really remember much of his 80s output, if I'm honest. Got, After Hours was okay, okay. Yeah. But I don't really remember. I mean, when was when was Goodfellas? Uh, was that early yeah. 90s? 
Yeah, I think so. Late 80s, early 90s. Because yeah. I think, you know, because you had Mean Streets and stuff, and Taxi, obviously Taxi Driver and Raging Bull, early 80s, yeah, late 70s. Yeah, Goodfellas is 1990. Yeah. What's he do in that? What does he do in the eighties? I can't really remember much. Um, generally, that's what I mean. I don't know that he because Kate Fear was nineties. All of his best stuffs nineties onwards. Mm. Um, I generally don't know. Someone might be getting really angry at the moment. At this moment, going, he made this. <laughs> well, there'll, there'll be some obvious thing we're not thinking of. I'm, I mean, um, you know, yeah. he's got a nothing if not varied filmography, hasn't he? Because I mean, you got you got Taxi Drive. You, Raging Bull must be in there somewhere, though, surely. Well, Raging, I thought Raging Bull was about eighty-one, wasn't it? Uh, must be around sure. there. Is it? I'm sure that, but I put that in the taxi driver mean so, street. Because you've got King of Comedy, After Hours, The Colour of Money. Oh, uh, King of Comedy, oh, got Last good. Temptation of Christ. Oh, uh, yeah. That's in the middle of all that. And of course, the Michael Jackson video that he did. Yeah. And Bad. And then it's Goodfellas after Last Temptation of Christ. So. That's what I mean. Yeah. Not much there, is there? No, because Raging Bull was 80. Um, yeah. And then prior to that, you've got things like Taxi Driver and Mean Streets mean and street. stuff like that. Yeah. yeah. Oh, well, there you go. Anyway, a short film called The Big Shave. That's his uh, comment on the Vietnam War, if you don't know. It's a man shaving himself and just slowly cutting his face to shreds. It could easy be. It is. I know it is because I went to watch it for film studies when I was at the university. God, how dull. It was like his comment on the fact that you're just cutting your face off while doing this. Anyway. It had coherent structure. I had to watch the film Wavelength. Now, never torture yourself with that nonsense, let me tell you. Anyway, yeah, any I, I road don't know up. what that is. Anyway, uh, that's Colour of Money. Next up, a week later, after Tom Tom Cruise, you could have gone seen a whole host of future stars, apart from one who sadly died, in Stand By Me. Uh, that's a good film. Uh, Rob Reiner directed. He did indeed. Classic Stephen King adaptation of the short, uh, his short uh, novella, The Body, isn't it? Yeah, that's correct. I can't believe that Adrian line was lined up to direct this it was it was it was literally last minute that rob rhino was stepped in thank I god i know i can't imagine what it would have been like if adrian lynn did it line did it no uh no no uh so uh, this leads me to uh, a discussion which I, I thought i'd ask a question of you do you think because this is i i often think that this get, kind of gets missed in a lot of people when they talk about them do you think this is the best stephen king adaptation Ooh. now if you'd have asked me that before I saw, because I know it's actually, a lot of people loathe it, but I really like the most recent version of, not it, although I do like the first part of it, but it, I don't like it generally as a story. I do like the recent um, Pet Cemetery adaptation. Yeah, it's, yes, it's okay. Yeah. But I think I think if I actually split the, the adaptations of Stephen King into sort of, the modern ones have been, well, what they are, this, there's certain ones that stick out. Salem's Lot is a good TV adaptation, and this one, I think, yeah. I agree, actually. Perhaps, at the, certainly at the time, it's standout, one of the best. Mm. Would you not? Because I mean, because I think there's a lot of directors that we kind of forget about. Obviously, you've got like The Dead Zone, which was which uh, is David Cronenberg. Uh, Star is not great. You've got The Shining. Yeah, again, so like I said, there's standout ones like The Shining, Stand By Me, but there's loads of them in between that aren't very good. Yeah, I, I quite like Dead Zone. Firestar is a bit weak. Um, Cujo. I'm trying to think of, uh, Cujo, the original Pets, well, the, yeah, the original version of Pet Cemetery. Where would you put Misery? Would you put Misery? Uh, is that not 90s? A bit, come out a bit later, is that 80s? I don't know. Just just in the general, you know, just with the, within, within the question of the best Stephen King adaptation sort of thing. I mean, because there's so many of them. I think Misery certainly is one of the better ones, without a doubt. Because yeah, it's, it's got a good Needful cast. Things and Tommy Knockers. Needful Things was a misstep. Tommy Knockers, when there's that god awful one is in, which is that one with those weird cat vampire things. Which is... Oh, Sleepwalkers. Oh, that's dreadful. It is awful. Dreadful. And don't forget, there's the one he directed, Maximum Carnage. Was Maximum, it Maximum Overdrive. Maximum Overdrive. That's the one, isn't it? Yeah, the one about the killer based on trucks, isn't it? There's um... Cat's Eyes. 
Cat's Eyes, which I actually quite like Cat's Eyes. There's a little... And then there's the story. Creepshow films. Yeah, and some of the stories in them are quite good. The Mist, of course, isn't that Stephen King? Uh, the Mist is, yeah. Yes, yes, it is. And and obviously, um, that's, actually, you know, we're missing one here, um, which is the clearly obvious winner, which is The Running Man. <laughs> no, I wouldn't say it was the winner. <laughs> and it's, I mean, I know it's technically Stephen King, but it's it a isn't it's a, a Batman, Batman. It's a Batman book, isn't it? Yeah. Um, I think there's, I feel like we're missing one that's really obvious again. Sort of on the tip of my tongue, it'll come back I don't to know, because I mean, I've read a lot of, I've read most Stephen King stuff, um, you know, and I think uh, probably for me, it's if I put to put a top three, it'd be this, Misery and The Shining. The Shining I like, but I like the book better. And I don't, I don't know that it's, it's a really interesting take on the book, I suppose, the film. And I suppose if you stand them side by side, okay. I didn't like the sequel to The Shining, I have to say, Doctor Sleep. Oh, Doctor Sleep. Sleep. Yeah, it was all right. That's a couple of nasty scenes in it, like. But didn't do it for me. But not quite the thing. I like Salem's Lot a lot, and the book, and it's quite good. It's it's too, it is diff, They all seem to differ. I suppose they have to in key ways from the books. Um, isn't yeah. Carrie a Stephen King? Oh, Carrie, yeah, yeah. That's a uh, Brian Brian De Palma. Brian De Palma, yeah. and Carrie's that's pretty fir- pretty damn good. Yeah, that's his first book in it. So I think the best one out of those, Misery, is definitely up there because it's you know no everyone remembers Misery first, obviously when he hobbles, she hobbles him and stuff like that, and it is really mm-hmm. good. That's the last film, the last really good film I saw. Um, Oh, the main well, it's another, um, it's another Rob Reiner film, isn't it? Yeah. So I think he does them really well. I think the guy that does, because um, there's Shawshank Redemption, isn't there? That's a Stephen King. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was no, And the Green, Green Mile is another one. Yeah, I found the Green Mile really boring. Uh, well, I, I say I don't like them I'm, I, particularly. I don't mind Shawshank Redemption, but that's, again, because you've got a strong ensemble cast. It's kind of the cast that carried that forward. It's actually a pretty dull story, but you've got such good actors in it. Morgan mm. Freeman springs to my straightaway there. <laughs> I was I was gonna attempt to do a do a impression Andy and then I, I refrain. <laughs> Andy Dufresne. Andy Dufresne. I can't. I can't. I can't. It's, not, it's not gonna happen. <laughs> he wrote six damn letters every week. Andy Dufresne. <laughs> so yeah, I just thought I just wondered, no, wondered what you know. thought. My favorite one out of all of those. That's a difficult thing because you've even got new ones coming out, haven't you? I think I'd with you. I'd stay say because I really really like Stanley Kubrick movies. I like Brandon Pan, but I really like Stanley Kubrick movies. So The Shining is an exceptionally good film. I just think it's missing such key information out of the book and mm. substitutes that for you know lots of visual flow, which is fine by me. But there are great sequences that could have been in in the book. Yeah, yeah. You know, the entire topiary bit in the book is not in the film. You know, it's just a maze in the film, which it's just mad that that's not in it. But because I think the scariness of the Overlook isn't doesn't convey very well in the film. It's good, but Jack Nicholson is what carries that film, whereas the Overlook is the kind of the scary part of the book and the and all the horror that goes has been going on in it all this time and all those things. Mm. So I don't know. Um, that's a difficult one. But Stand By Me is certainly up in the top five. Yeah, me. I just think it kind of it kind of gets forgotten as a Stephen King adaptation yes, sometimes when I people believe it does. do listen. That's a. I've never read it though. If you you probably read read the the story yes. based on that. Now that's my yes. failing is that only. I haven't read enough of Stephen King's books because it's the stand in there somewhere as well, isn't there? There is the stand, and I watched the real recent TV adaptation yeah, of that. They've never done a good one of that. It's no, it wasn't. It lost its way somewhat yeah. towards the end. But that's the problem with a lot of uh, like the Dark Half. That's another one, and Thinner, yeah. and Thinner, another yeah. couple. Yeah, uh, there's the problem with a lot of Stephen King stuff, though, and that's a yeah. that's a having sort of studied Reddy's on writing and things like that. Um, it's a it's a symptom of his way of writing because he does he doesn't write with a plot he doesn't write with a plan he just starts writing and uh, lets it go where it goes and when you know that when you read it it explains why half his books have crap endings 
Yes. Now, here's a question for you, actually, just on the back of that. Is the film with John Cusack where people listen to mobile phones and they go completely loopy? Is Cell. That, is Cell. Yes. Is that based on a Stephen King book as mm-hmm. well? Yeah. yeah. Thought so. Again, good, nice, good premise, uh, good opening. Weird ending. Goes nowhere. No, goes nowhere. Did you get the ending of that? You know, where he, where no. he, where he set off a bomb next to an ice cream truck and ended up running around a pylon? <laughs> I think that's quite, if I seem to remember, that's actually quite close to the book, but it still made no sense in the book. Mm. It was like a thing that happened. No. That's actually yeah. quite, a, quite a good film, I can't what you say, but a lot of these films are good in reverse. No, they start really good and end quite bad. That's John Carpenter's curse half the time as well. Well, that's Stephen, yeah, that's Stephen King. There you go. All right, stand by me. Uh, a week later, we could have gone all Cold War. Um, we've We've played the game many mm. moons ago now we can watch the film and we can watch the fourth protocol mm. um indeed with michael kane and pierce brosnan i did actually watch this when we actually reviewed the game good film um so this is relatively fresh in my mind and it's a yeah, it's an it's an okay film they've changed bits and bobs it's obviously from the pen of frederick Forsyth, mm. and it's all right it's uh as, as as these kind of cold war films go it's it's intricate and you got to follow you got to you got to watch it you can't just um Pick up, no, you know, it's intense that film. Um, and you got to kind of follow it. Pierce Brosnan in that film is really good. Mm, I agree. Um, he's really brutal. Yeah, he's an underrated um, actor in his early days. Yeah, but in that particular role, because obviously you've kind of only seen him in sort of nice, nice guy roles like Robinson Steel and stuff. Mm. Um, in this one, he plays a cold assassin who's prepared to set off a nuclear bomb in the yeah, heart. Yeah, he's of, pretty brutal in it. Yeah, in the heart of uh, heart of uh, Middle England. And yeah, there's some good stuff. I, I saw that. It was another one I saw at uh, Whitgift. Oh. Um, when it first came out, um, and another yeah, another good one I saw there. So yeah, it's all right. Um, I could hardly recommend it. I like that. Yeah, Michael Caine will always look like that in my uh, yeah. In he my always estimation. looks kind of happy with his big thick rim glasses. I much prefer him looking like he does there in the like Alfie version of him to the most recent. What, what's happened to Batman? Don't die, Batman. That kind of version of him. I don't <laughs> like that. Although he's quite good when he pops up in any other Christopher Nolan film. He's <laughs> true, right true. Although uh, yeah, Tenet. Yeah. I've seen Tenet. What a crazy film that is. It's, it's a film you have to watch at least three times, forwards and back. <laughs> you have to. It's You've got to imbibe that film with reverse reverse technology. I'll tell you what. You have to watch it in reverse. Because I, I remember going to see the, the mate, second Matrix movie in the cinema and hilariously during the architect sequence, it was just completely quiet. And then at the end of his little speech, someone just went, eh, really loudly. <laughs> and I could imagine if you went forward in time or back, Forward in time to uh, Tenet, I could just imagine us just a sea of confused people going, I, I don't get it. Why are the bullets going backwards? Why is that car going backwards? But why are they talking forwards? Uh, I could just see them not computing in any way, shape or form. And let alone, obviously, I'm not going to spoil it for anyone, but the reveals of things as they happen and just, you know, just... Well, I remember having many, many conversations with people about the first Mission Impossible because they were like, I don't get it. What happened? Yes. Eh? Well, it shows you him doing the stuff. No, he's telling a story. Yeah. He's, he's, but do you know he did? No, it's, it, it all happened. No. no, it's not it's, that hard to understand Mission Impossible. It's not. But try explaining Tenet to somebody. No. And if you think, I mean, it's bad enough. If you if you sit someone down and go and they say, if you watched Interstellar, what's that like? You can sort of go, mm. and they go, all right, no, never mind that. And what about Tenet? You're like, Ugh. but Inception, <laughs> no. And then they go, well, but what's this primer like? And that's it. Just get out. Out you go. Off you go. Just get, in this box. get out just off you go get in this box come out eight hours ago and i won't tell you <laughs> how about we sit down and watch coherence out you go off you go bye now 
<laughs> oh, coherent. Yeah, what a film that is. Again, another good one. But like I said, yeah, yes. there are these films which you're like, uh, and then oh, then well, which Time Crimes? I'd see that Time Crimes is brilliant. It's like it's up there with Triangle and all these films. By the way, that we're mentioning, podcast listeners out there, track them down and watch them because they're all really good. But yeah, they're not are. one of those films that we've mentioned is bad. All of them are good. Some of them aren't as good as the others. Interstellar gets a little bit wild with its its own laws of physics and, yeah. and things. But, you know, Tenet is going to hurt your mind and brain. Primer is going to hurt your mind, brain, and for several weeks, <laughs> you're going to be There's a moment, you know, yeah, convinced. Primer. If you see anyone walking towards you with a, a small Apple headset on, you're going to be like, what are you doing? <laughs> yeah. yeah. So if anyone comes towards you with a black tie and a white shirt, run away quickly. <laughs> yeah. well, you might have already done that. You just don't know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Primer Primer's good because the thing about Primer is you're with it for about sixty minutes and then there's yeah. a five minute sequence where all laws of all laws of narrative and film just go out the window and you suddenly don't you don't know what's happened. Yeah. And then the film ends and you're like yeah. and he's talking French. Yeah. It's when they <laughs> when they discover that there's a third time machine yeah. and that you can take time machines through time with you. Like, right, that's it. Brain officially <laughs> erased now. zonked zonked yeah, yeah primer is brilliant if you haven't is. seen it go track it down it's Dude. made for amazingly it was made for seven seven thousand dollars such a good movie that such a good film yeah. and going back to these obviously back to the fourth protocol also a good film to track down it is yes uh last up uh before we finish off for film and tv is the little shop of horrors was released on the 27th of march another wick gift one i saw oh. um, so uh you're a fan of a load of I really like Little Shop of Horrors, yeah. Really? Um, I don't yeah, know why that surprises find, me, but it does. I find it really funny. You know, I love the songs. As, as It is probably my favourite musical. Mm. Um, I think the songs are genuinely funny. Rip Moranis is amazingly good in it. Uh, Steve Martin, everyone. It's just great. Audrey, and I can't remember, remember Cara, what's her name, plays Audrey. Audrey Rose. Okay. It's not Audrey Rose. I'm staring at you with T- watery eyes right eyes. now. <laughs> Teary eyed. <laughs> Audrey Rose. <laughs> this is uh, d- the one that's direct- directed by Frank Oz, right? So you pick Miss Piggy, Yoda, Cookie Monster, uh-huh. Frank Oz. Mr. Kessler. Mr. Kessler. Mr. K- and also, I didn't know From it was a remake. I didn't know it was a remake of a Roger Corman film, and I've never uh, seen the is, original. Yes. I d- I've never yeah, seen the black, original 60s one. Black and white one, yes. Interesting. It is. But this is uh, its just really good. I mean, the songs are great, and, and uh, I think it, it worked at cinema because of that big sound and everything. You could really get into those songs, and some of the songs in it are brilliant. And the the... the Sequence with Steve Martin as the dentist never ever fails to crack me up. <laughs> um, I am your dentist. <laughs> okay, it's just brilliant. I may have to rewatch it. It's a long time since I watched it. Watched it. I think. Think um, there's a musical of it. Obviously, isn't there? So might be. Well, it is a musical. I mean, but a stage based one. I mean. Oh right! Don't watch that. Watch the film. Yeah, I mean that could do. That, that includes going to a theatre and buying tickets and stuff. Just watch the now, film. A little <laughs> fact I discovered seen. as I was digging into the whole little shop of horrors was that there was a, a different ending shot for the film, a 23-minute ending based on the original musical off-Broadway, but even darker than that. But the previous screening audiences reacted uh, really negatively to it, and so it had to be rewritten and reshot the theatrical release. And I'll actually, I won't go through all the ending as it is, right. but I'll put that in the show notes. But essentially, the the actual ending that Frank Oz wanted was really dark and bleak. And at the end of all that happy stuff, just went, you know, ends up with somebody jumping off a roof of a building. You're like, whoa. So um, <laughs> I thought it was odd Jesus. that, you know... that. You know, I'm sh- I'm pretty sure at a certain point during the making of that, Frankos must have got some bad news about something. It's like, right, that's it. Someone's jumping off a building by the end of this film. <laughs> you know, he seems like a pretty happy-go-lucky guy. You know, he's he's in um, Trading Places, isn't he? He's the policeman who yeah. uh, arrests, what's his name? Well, he's half the Muppets, isn't he? He is. Yeah, yeah he's Yoda. Yeah. yeah. When he was, like I said, he, the, uh, he popped, he's the American uh, consulate character from uh, 
American Werewolf. Yes, yeah, <laughs> Mr. Kessler. Yeah, he is, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, he it was Ellen Green, by the way, who plays Ellen Green. Green. Yes, it. Um, that's who I was trying to think of. So there we go. That's some good stuff. It is. So what do we have? We had uh, Elephant Man. We had. We had, then we had some intermate contact. <laughs> we watched some French and Saunders, and then Bob said, "Bob said opportunity knocks." He did. Then we watched Color of Money, Stand by Me, uh, Fourth Protocol, and rounded off with a bit of a sing song in Little Shop of Horrors. There we go. So that's our film and TV for March 1987. Uh, we'll be back in a moment where we conclude this episode with our last batch of games. So please stick around. <laughs> Lovely artisan crackers and cheese to our show sponsor, DavidHernWriter.com. Let's grab another tasty audio nibble from his fab audiobook, Paddy Go Easy, What Happens When You Hit and Run, narrated by none other than David Hearn. Why aren't you at work instead of here bothering me? Eh, uh, I'm on Arvo shift this week. Times change every week. Bill nodded his disapproval. The boy was good for nothing. Why couldn't his daughter see that? Sometimes he wished he could just bury the string of boyfriends that badgered his daughters in the backyard until his girls got some sense about them. He'd be running out of plot space by now, he supposed. In addition, there were some annoying laws, probably made by those without daughters, prohibiting such actions. Local coal miners nearly dried up, but if you're keen, and if you work like a Trojan, I could talk to a mate who's working on starting up at Ebenezer again. Paddy frowned. I don't work like a virus, but um, no, I've heard it's a long shot. I don't have the dosh, and they may not have the infrastructure to support it, he said. Bill's frown went further south. I bet I know that you want some more, right? Well, visit com to find out a whole lot more. Okay, welcome back. We've got a few more games for you from, uh, this is the middle section, isn't it? So our middle look at a load of games from March 1987. Um, and we're kicking off with uh, with uh, Nosferatu. Um, Nosferatu the Vampire. Nosferatu. 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 Vampire. Nosferatu. <laughs> That's him. Um, Mr. Mr. Two. Um, <laughs> Nosfer. <laughs> yeah. Nosferatu. <laughs> <laughs> the Lesmond, the late Desmond's brother. The us, the uh, the Irish version be Nosferatul, <laughs> and other Irish checks will follow. That's all our Irish listeners away. <laughs> well done. <laughs> Damn it! <laughs> <laughs> but maybe we can get some Romanian or Transylvanian yes. listeners. Nosferatul. Not if you keep saying anyway, that, you won't. That? Right. No, that's true. Uh, Nosferatu the Vampire. This is a full price game. Ninety nine five. We've got eighty eight percent. Winner. Wow. Uh, so we played a Dracula game recently, the Text Adventure. Um, oh, we did. And we yeah. Played that. Yeah. So this is our this is our second encounter with the the fanged undead, <laughs> the fanged menace. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Bog off. <laughs> Stop tapping at my window. Let me in. <laughs> Let me in. <laughs> no, bog off. You fanged idiot. Piss off. Absolutely. <laughs> Piercing all the top of my milk bottles. <laughs> Looking for blood milk or whatever you're doing. <laughs> Which is not there. It's just milk. Just because it comes out of a cow, it's not blood. <laughs> Go to a blood bank. <laughs> but what we got here, we had a text version. What we have here is we meet the Count in the dreaded isometric 3D. Ah! <laughs> yeah. So this is an isometric 3D adventure strangely like our previous encounter with the count this game is split into three parts 
unusual. And unfortunately, I can only speak of the first one as I never managed to get past it. So I don't know what happens in the other two parts. Um, I can tell you what goes on in them because I've, I've, I've looked into it, but I can't tell you if they're any good. Going on the first one, eh, not sure. So the first part sees you playing as Jonathan Harker and you're in the Count's Castle. But what this is, is just basically, it's just bog standard isometric single colour 3D adventure. You know, you know the type. Mm. You've seen them. Uh, think Fairlight. Yeah. <laughs> Not the, not, not the keyboard. The keyboard, Graham. Calm down. Just put the down keyboard. your cross. <laughs> Face the isometric master. <laughs> slowly put down your cross. <laughs> put down your cross slowly. Do a simo. Open the isometric window, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> not that way. Push push left to a... Not all. Le- left, left. Up and to the right. <laughs> I can't get which, in. Which, <laughs> every time I try and move, I just move off away from the window. I move along the side of the house. <laughs> You could do nothing by pointing your cross that way. Absolutely. That is the isometric way. <laughs> that means you worship the good. Your isometric God. cross isn't even cross-shaped. You fool. <laughs> you got the angles all wrong. <laughs> How can it work when it's two across and one up? <laughs> that's a nerdy pixel joke. <laughs> that is the nerdiest. That, that's niche. I mean, that's a nerdy pixel joke based on vampires. I mean. To be fair, wow. though, it works in the context of the C64 version of Nosferatu being an yes, isometric yes, game. Yes, it does. It does indeed. And I actually applaud you for that. Not many Thanks, people could bring welcome. those elements together to form any kind of joke, but you found a way. <laughs> Just like life. Just like life, I found an isometric way. All right, so what we got here? Anyway, where was that? Yeah, Harker, you're in his Count's castle, and you have to recover the deeds to the property you have just sold him. That's a bad move. You know, shouldn't have given him, him. Because you realised he's a vampire. I mean, what gave it away? If you've seen the film, it's a giveaway. What gave if it away? If he looks anything like he does in the film, if he looks like Count Orlock, then he just gives it away. It's just like... You know, I like the uh, idea you, of that. You look, you look weird. <laughs> you, you sure you're not a vampire? <laughs> <laughs> Give me the deeds. Uh, so, hang on a minute. He just hands them over and go, hang on. <laughs> you look like a vampire. <laughs> I have the deeds now. <laughs> and I will hide them randomly in my house. You can wander around and be yes, menaced. You'll by never bats. find them. No. So you just realise he's a vampire, and what you realise then, if you've got a property of his own down in the town of Wismar or Wismar, um, it'll be easy enough for him to move in and take over the town. So you leave. Well, it's actually you. Re- you. Re- <laughs> I've got the. In my head, it's because you, you're on your way back, aren't you? And then you realise he's a vampire. Yeah. It's like just putting the things together. It's like, drinks blood. <laughs> Can't, don't come out during the day. Sleeps in a coffin. Hang, sleeps in a coffin, hangs upside down like a bat. What is he? That's on the tip of my tongue. He's got three nubile wenches that try to suck my nipple. What is he? What is he? What is he? Some kind of bat? Some kind of Some w- kind... bear? What is he, a wolf? <laughs> <laughs> Some kind of vampire. <laughs> oh my god! Driver, turn this cart around. Looking through a book, he'd be going, "What is he? Daredevil, um, werewolf?" Um, flipping through a book. There. Oh no, no, umpire. <laughs> this is a cricket book. I love cricket. I get... <laughs> and then he'd be like, "Hang on a minute, wicket stumps. They're like a stake." <laughs> He doesn't like steaks. When I asked him if he liked steaks, he said no. <laughs> Something wrong with that man. He's not a man. And he spoke in a vampire way. And said, ha, 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 after everything. Absolutely. And his shadow was about 10 seconds behind him. <laughs> Bloody Hank Marvin. <laughs> oh, Hank Marvin's Dracula. 
No, that, that no, is just, something. No, it's just a shadow. It's that's a shadow I mean. walking it's behind him. Just his shadow all the time. Yeah. <laughs> do, 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 do. Get away. <laughs> Should have, that was the giveaway. Uh, anyway. <laughs> so having realised his error, <laughs> turns around and goes back. So you leg it back to the house and you then make your way in. Uh, well, you're just in. You're, just, you wake, just you're in a bedroom. I don't know. I don't know. Game starts, you're in a bedroom. And so, yeah. So basically, the first part is then you've got to make your way around your house and you've got to find the deeds. They are somewhere in there. And this is just basic isometric stuff. The second part sees you. I didn't get to this part, so I've just this is what I've read. So the second part is uh, strange. It sounds quite strange because you play as both Harker, Van Helsing, and old Lucy, who the Count obviously has a bit of a hankering for, a Hank Marvinging for. He does. And you've got to get the three of them to meet, I, I believe, is reading what I read. You mean uh, gather in fan- one place, not just to gather towards some kind of stake. Well, yeah. Well, you yeah, three, no, you no, need meet. to meet. Get- <laughs> meet double E. <laughs> no. Although it works either way, because uh, the hang- the count has a bit of a hankering for uh, Lucy. Then you've got to get the yeah, get them together. You've got to do this while fending off the vampiric villages and hordes of plague rats. And the third section is where you play as Lucy alone. And you must trap the count in your room until the sun rises and burns him away. So the plot actually seems to take a mix of both the original Dracula book. And the film Nosferatu, mm. I think, for some of its, it's inspiration. It's, actually, especially it's, that, it's a lot more Nosferatu than the Dracula book. Though. It is, yeah, because it's not. There's no, you know, there's no, there's, there's no Demeter and all that sort of thing. No. So that's all gone. And you don't go traveling. You just go to his house on the hill, yeah. and give him some deeds to a house down there, and then on the way back, realize you know, so it's all changed. It's all about a house move, really. It, it is, yes, Nosferatu. <laughs> yeah, Nosferatu, the house move. <laughs> not quite scary. <laughs> not quite although scary. more stressful, having just moved house again. <laughs> yes, uh, recently. So it's no, it's a three D isometric adventure. Uh, and it's not amazingly fast. Although they did quite say in the in the review, it's amazingly fast. Yeah, it, it's not. It's faster. Like all these things, it's faster when you wander around. There's nothing else on screen. Yeah. Um, it is faster than Fairlight, which isn't saying a lot. No, it's not. Um, because um, when I stay still, I'm faster than Fairlight. <laughs> the opening section is it's okay up to a point but you just wander around rooms and you avoid spiders. You're searching things. You find stuff like candles, lamps, boots, a gun. Did you find these things? Yes. I found all these things. Um, And somewhere, the the deeds, which you need to prevent the Count having his base in the second part, the deeds are randomly placed, so you need to explore the rooms, and it just sees you wandering about, randomly searching stuff. And as ever, there are issues, because of course there are. So it says in the instructions that you can press the fire button to fight, Mm. but I don't... Didn't, didn't work never seem to do anything. No. No, I just seemed to drop objects. Yeah. <laughs> so it never seemed to work for anything. I got mauled. There was a bit where I just got into a big open room where these bats just mauled me. Yeah. And just basically, you know, then the coffin comes up and you can go and you can go and eat stuff to get your health back, but it's such a chore to go and find some food because you can't mm. carry food. The one thing you'd want to carry around with you, yep. some health, so you can't carry that around. Instead, you're just carrying some boots and a candle. Like, I don't understand any of this. You get there's dogs, spiders, whatever. You can't see it. Yeah, I said you can't see any with you. It's very slow and tedious to sort of wander about because it's just annoying. Because anytime you enter a room where there's other creatures, you all slow down because of course you do. This sounds like there's some ideas here that are quite good. Um, and I like some, you know, I didn't get to the second part, but I quite like some of the design ideas and the way the game is constructed. But it just, you know, this machine is just not up to doing 3D isometric games in an enjoyable way. I don't yeah. care what anyone says. And, and all too often, you're at the mercy of the speed that the machine can run this at when three bats are attacking you and it just runs mm. treacle speed. And you just yeah. can't... There was a point where I tried to get into the... In that big room, the bats were attacking me. I went down one and there's a there's a doorway under the, st- under the sort of hall. You can just yeah. make it out. And I went to it, but a bat got between me and the door and that, that was it. It just killed me slowly, slowly because the bat wouldn't move out the bloody way and I couldn't do anything to kill it. And so... 
I just found it really dull. I also didn't like the way that rooms were bigger than was thing and there was no there was some there was not always an indicator that you could just go down yes when it, there was no sometimes yeah, there was a that. wall there and sometimes there wasn't a wall there so it felt weird it looks nice the graphics uh, the the 3d isometric visuals are actually quite decent mm. the representation of them so that's all all right it's just just this machine just go play on an amstrad or a spectrum because mm. i imagine it'd be all right on one of them because it probably run at a decent flick so that's there's an idea here that's okay and i like some of the design parts but it's a port from better machines that do this thing better again yeah. um and that's that's what i thought what about you did you get much from it no i have to say that the uh, my feelings are exactly the same i mean at its heart there is a nice there was a nice thematic and a, and it felt surprisingly bleak this game so it's got that yeah, uh, yeah. which which out of context sounds weird but in actuality that plays to this game's advantage it feel you feel like kind of a lonely guy trapped in a kind of giant house situation it's just let down by the because the graphics are detailed and you know it is in high res and it maybe it's marginally faster i didn't think it really was for me it felt that it suffered the same problem all of these isometric games from which is exactly as you describe the minute you get one or two enemies on the screen with you if they're if they're a hindrance to your energy you're going to die from them unless you are adept at somehow avoiding them which in a way that i Mm. simply wasn't i just couldn't really get anywhere you know um i found that the objects you picked up were obtuse now, I found a gun. I thought, oh, that's great. But is that going to work against the vampire? Am I going to run into one? I couldn't shoot it anyway. I'm not sure what I'm supposed to do with a lamp. I'm just like, well, it's just, I don't know. I just found myself slowly trundling through a series of rooms. Like you say, sometimes discovering rooms that I didn't even know were there because of the nature of the way that isometric is laid out and drawn. A map is would have been, you know, gold. I think later there'll be one, and there's bound to be somebody who'll map this and put it in Zap. Mm, and when that yeah, happens, yeah. maybe the game then becomes something that you can actually sort of navigate your way around and stuff. You need patience for same with these games, and I just don't have, the, have it. I don't have the patience. As soon as you start getting attacked in, and it starts to really slow down to the kind of really slow frames, not even frames per second, is it? it just slows down to the point when it mm-hmm. becomes unplayable. I think I just don't, I lose interest. I lose interest in them. And there's not a lot else happening in this game. In that first level, if you're not picking up candlesticks and moving them around from room to room and just getting periodically attacked by bats or spiders, there's not a lot else in it. I know that Nosferatu can turn up at some point and probably does. He never did when I was playing it. I think it was dead long before I even had an opportunity. So Yeah, because there is like a day day night cycle is, yeah, thing yeah. and some of the rooms sort of change colour every now and again, I think. Yeah, but I can yeah, never yeah. quite I think I think it's to do with the sort of stage of the evening. So obviously in the night time, Nosferatu's, yeah. you know, bound to be hopping about doing what he does. <laughs> I just stand there. Hanging from the ceiling, giving himself away as a vampire. <laughs> <laughs> I just found myself surprised it got eighty eight percent as a full price isometric. And again, just I have no love for these types of games. I really want to like them. And this one is at least thematically interesting. Mm. Yeah, and, yeah. And the premise of it is nice. And it has nice little touches like that. The music, by the way, is so annoying. I turned it off within. Thankfully, you can turn it off because that in-game music is just so repetitive and annoying. Yeah. And yeah I was like, is. oh, thank God. you get to, But if you turn it off, it's borderline. It's just silence with the occasional noise when you hit a bat. <laughs> so I don't know whether that's better or worse or it's just, I don't know. I just think it's it's just not. Not the game for the machine that it's on, and it just doesn't really. No, it's not. So, no, sorry, sorry, Nosferatu, but no. Yeah. For all that though, I'm going to reckon it's better than our next one. No, I'd put a hesitant guess that that's the correct response to that. <laughs> yeah. So let's let's move on. Let's leave our vampires behind and move on into our next uh, adventure. So Graham, are you a dandy highwayman? <laughs> Can you tell us all. 
Can you tell us all about the uh, the thing that is Dandy? Right. Okay. So Dandy is a C64 game released by our happy friends at Electric Dreams. Now, they're a real hit and miss bunch, Electric Dreams, and we're going to discover this over the next few episodes of the podcast that there's some real weird mm-hmm. stuff that they do anyway this is by electric dreams now got they famously lost the gauntlet franchise to us gold so us gold got the gauntlet franchise electric dreams didn't and there's no ifs and or buts this game is basically gauntlet it's different graphics but it's gauntlet and but in actuality this is an original atari game created by john palovich and it was actually a forerunner to gauntlet so dandy if you go all the way back to the atari I think, I'm not sure if it was an Atari, which Atari system it's on, but just let's just bracket them as Atari. Dandy was a, a game that was a dungeon crawler where you could play as either Thor or Sheba. You have to escape the dungeon. You are under constant attack. It's got, it, it had in the original Atari, whatever, whatever, it had four simultaneous players. You're in a, mm-hmm. you know, you have to get key, you have to collect keys and food and potions. It's Gauntlet. So Gauntlet was clearly based on Dandy. And Dandy, by the way, is actually D and D. So it's meant to be like a Dungeons and Dragons thing and it's original thing. Just go with it. So, all right. No. So that, all that no, said. No, All that said. So Electric Dreams came along and got the license for Dandy. Um, their plan was to release this on Spectrum, C64 and Amstrad. Because they didn't get Gauntlet, I think. So they thought, right, if you, you know, we'll go to the source like he does in The Matrix. We'll go to the source. Fine. And this was originally going to be released as the game, a game called Dauntless, but they didn't release it as that. They released it as Dandy. So what you end up with, after all of that hyperbole, is a flicky, flick screen, weirdly drawn and uninspiring Gauntlet alike. Because Gauntlet's already out, this game is pointless. So mm-hmm. it offers so little on top of what Gauntlet does. It's like Gauntlet, but in really bad clothes that don't fit and don't work. <laughs> the idea of it being flick screen is A, stupid, and B, not as good as either Gauntlet Druid or any of the other games, including the Atari 1983 Atari game, which was, by the way, scrolling, not flick screen. So they actually made an N83 game worse, which seems counterproductive <laughs> if you're going to release something to compete with Gauntlet. Don't make the original worse than the one you're ripping off. Um, so I thought this was dreadful in every way. The graphics are unclear, bitty. I find it difficult to play. You kind of scuttle around more than animate. And the sounds are truly dreadful. So as mm-hmm. as, as Gauntlet games go, this is a it sh- this should not have been a crap Gauntlet variant because this is the game that Gauntlet was based upon. But somehow Electric Dreams found a way to make a game <laughs> worse than its games that copied it, and that takes some doing. I think I'm mean, a, a, a slow golf clap for their achievement there. You found the original <laughs> of a game and you made it worse. Well done. Um, this shouldn't have been released. And from what I can gather, Zap felt that. In fact, the Zap review when I read it. They didn't sort of have that interpretation. They were just like, oh, it's just another Gauntlet ripoff and it's crap. But knowing all of that other stuff, that this is actually the game that Gauntlet fundamentally was based upon, makes it even worse for me. So I would have given this, knowing that, this is in the 4 or 5%. This is just shockingly bad. And it's mm-hmm. nine ninety nine. so you know what? Take your finger out and boop, stick it where the sun don't shine, because that's not happening. It's not good. No. Did you like it? No. Awful <laughs> flick screen Gauntlet-style crap. Yeah, that's, that's on the box. <laughs> there's <laughs> a picture of me saying it <laughs> and I'm not looking happy £10 for this I know we go on about you know it's 19 it's 2022 it £10 for this bloody hell yeah. 15 levels same price as the official gauntlet yeah. which you know whilst it wasn't brilliant show, really did show this up for the pile of crap that it is yep this is awful it's slow boring and ugly uh, the graphics are horrible horrible they really are bad mishmash of colors and shapes i couldn't tell what was what i didn't no. know what anything was just what black sprites on a green and blue background with the odd bit of yellow and oh uh, 
the sound is dire. Just a few bleeps and bloops now and again. I don't know if there's any music. I can not hear any. The level design is annoying, and I found myself once again running out of sodding keys to open yeah. doors. Yeah. This, you know, I'm not going to say much more. This is terrible. Well, I put it to cash in on the Gauntlet hype train. I know it came through, but it's, you know, it's on the back of Gauntlet. It's not beating yeah. around the bush. Uh, it should never have seen the light of day. Awful. Awful. Awful game. Just dreadful. Terrible. terrible. Storm was better than this, and that's now that tells you Storm how bad it is. Was, Storm was better than this. At least Storm had the decency to be two quid. Yeah. You know, yeah. if you're going to buy a flick screen gauntlet thing, then buy Storm. Yeah. Because at least two quids, you're not going to cry too much over two quid. You spend £10 on this. Jesus. Shocking. You're going to um, question your life choices. A bloody electric dreams. <sighs> yeah. Beer Billy Burt's Brewbiz. Mm. It was better. Yeah. Yes. That's it. There you go. Dandy. Crap. <laughs> Absolute crap. Yeah. Awful. Uh, let's move on quickly. Unlike that game. To our next one. So we've got uh, another. This is a eight eight pound game. This scored six six pence. This is Skate Rock. Skate Rock. So Skate Rock. It's all about skateboard war. <laughs> as rival gangs are squaring off against each other in baggy jeans and oversized t-shirts and yelling insults at each other about the quality of their boards and the tightness of their trucks and the bagginess of their shorts and doing that one move that they all can't do which is where they try and jump on the skateboard and it immediately just tips over and they go ah oh, every time <laughs> that's it so things are getting ugly out on the streets and there's only one way to patch things up between these pop punk skaters that's a competition to see who's the best skater and who can join the ultimate skateboarding gang Woo. the slime rat skaters yeah as it says in the instructions are you deaf enough to do it Oh, you were just another toy skater. Is that deaf? Please tell me that's D-E-F. Of course it's D-E-F, yeah. <laughs> Are you deaf enough? Are you uh, deaf enough? Should you be? <laughs> <laughs> Bloody skateboarding. <laughs> anyway, there you go. There's, at least it's not skateboarding on Mars or something with some trumped-up stupid sci-fi plot. Well it's been. just, it's just. I, I've known some skateboarders in my time. We've both known skateboarders in our we time. Do. They all generally seem to get along. There was never skateboarding wars. Not no, that I was aware they're, of. They're actually a the fairly word. placid, non-warring bunch. I think. Yeah, they are, yeah. They, yeah. So anyway, and I don't think any of them would ever want to join the Slime Rat Skaters. No. Although, to be fair, the Slime Rats does sound like a pop punk band. True, that does. Yeah, in all fairness. Yeah. So you know, uh, there is that. Anyway, what does this get? What does all this nonsense entail? It entails traversing ten increasingly difficult courses and skating through the ten flags dotted about them, and getting over the and getting through the course in the time limit allowed. Okay, so that's what this is. It's essentially a, it's a, it's a, not not kickstart. It's a, it's basically it's a assault course thing. You've got to get from one end of street to another while collecting ten flags and doing some skate moves if you want to. Not many, but a few. Uh, there's some nice options for the game. So before the game starts, you don't have to start. So if you get through a course, you don't have to start at the beginning one every time. That's nice. Yeah. Um, so you don't have to start at the beginning. So you just pick basically just trying to work your way through them until you make make your way through. Uh, you can change the time limit from very, very tight to much more forgiving. And there's one in the middle, which is still impossible. Um, but hey -ho. And you can alter the responsiveness of the board as you skate. So the truck, tightness of the trucks. I thought the controls were pretty good and quite easy. Uh, up and down makes you skate faster or slower, it, you know, and left or right just turns you clockwise or anticlockwise. It seems logical. These controls feel logical. So many times we haven't had logical controls, but in the case of this, this is actually quite decent. You can do a quick flip by holding the joystick left or right and pressing fire. You can pull a wheelie by holding down and, and fire. Or you can just jump by simply pressing the fire. Controls are nice and simple. They work. So the game is presented side-on and like a pseudo 3D depth, uh, like later games like Golden Axe. Mm -hmm. It's that kind of 3D, like Entombed. 
yeah. I guess is a, is a closer sort of uh, thing. So it's that kind of visual style. So it allows you to skate. You can go into the screen or out the screen. You can, you've can you got roads and curbs. So you skate on the road or you skate on the curbs. You've got to jump up the curbs or flick up the curbs or go down the, the ramps and stuff. Hitting anything um, obviously costs you time and one of your five lives. You only have five lives to, to complete the course. The graphics, though, they are chunky, mm. let's say. They're not too badly animated. Um, the main character, the main character animation, I thought was quite nice. But I did notice the uh, he looked like a dun- dancing Dutch guy. Yes. Do you know did. the one I'm on about? Yeah. It's very, very strange. He's sort of doing like a snake dance. Yeah. I thought he was a bit odd. And the guy with the massive quiff. And the less said about the cars, the better, because mm. the cars are weird blocky. and odd and blocky. <laughs> yeah. The music's okay. Some wee music tunes to move things along. They're all right. Although the death tune is a tad too long it's just a tad too, you just because you will yeah, die a lot you will you'll fail like it. it's just a bit too long and you want to get back into it there are hazards to avoid like i said like the dancing dancing dutch guy there's pedestrians cars both moving and parked there's dogs and even a remote controlled airplane at one point i got i got mm-hmm. menaced by so you complete a level if you get all the flags the flags are ba- you know both on the road and on the pavement so you've got to flick between the pair of them and try and control it and get through it if you complete it all in the time get to the end you get to the next level and the levels ramp up from there so and they add extra mechanics and stuff in so you see ramps and more hazards across the roads and things like that i thought this was actually okay as a, as a game i didn't actually mind this I think £8 is perhaps a little steep. This would have made, for me, a great budget game. There's a really mm. good bu- a, a budget game. I'm not sure if it's £8 worth. I don't know, 10 levels. Uh, it's hard, but you know, there's a lot of... I think there's quite a lot of work in this um, and a lot of some nice touches. It's really hard on the lower time mm. levels because you've got to get an almost perfect run. And it's very tricky to know sometimes if you'll jump and if you'll survive or sometimes I get fallen off. I didn't know if I was supposed to do something. £8 may be a little steep. It reminded me of paperboy yes I, i've noted the exact same thing for for some reason i think even because even though the view is not the same i think it's the urban environment yeah and you're riding along on on, a, on wheels and and there's things to avoid it felt very kind of similar in that paperboy style i just think you know two quid this would have been a steal so i think there would have been a really good budget title here and this because there's challenge to be had in mastering the courses and doing if, if you're really going to go for it and try and doing them in the hardest time it's really really tricky um you've really got to learn them and do them quite well but you know and but i like the fact that you can just coast through them at the you know the easy time thing and it still just opens everything up i think that's quite nice i didn't mind this it was all right i don't think it's eight quid all right but but uh, but I, I didn't i didn't mind playing it fine by me what about you what do you think i found it was uh like you say it's okay it was a bit dull it felt like a it felt mm. like a skateboarding paperboy variant it did yeah graphic wise i think that's i think it was the graphics that sort of tri- tripped my thinking this is kind of like paperboy because they're kind of that blocky sort of style of paperboy isometric mm-hmm. as such the, the main sprite was good and the and the, the sort of animation of that was quite nice the controls they varied i found the controls once you got used to them i suppose they're okay but i just found the, it quite difficult to control and navigate, and I just found it a little bit. I don't know if it was maybe just me. I just I'm, I didn't I, I didn't enjoy Paperboy for the same reason. I found it first quite hard to turn stuff, and then you learn you've turned a lot quicker with the kick flip. And so once you do the kick flip, you can start spinning about quite fast. I yeah, found. I just found that my interest in these kind of games isn't there um, for the great. same reason that I didn't enjoy Paperboy. And later on, we get seven twenty degrees, and we've got you know there's bound to be more. I just skate not, or die as well. Skate or die, yeah. I'm just not into this kind of skateboarding, avoid the stuff, assault course, whatever you want to call it. 
Mm-hmm. So I thought the graphics were very hit and miss and it was okay, but for me, a bit dull. And I just think maybe a little bit more thought. It, it felt a bit mindless by the, you know, because it just felt like it was kind of the same thing over and over again. Collect the flags, carry on to the right, avoid the stuff. Collect the flags, carry on to the right, avoid the stuff. That's the budget thing. That's why yeah. I said as a budget title, you yeah, forgive yeah. that. And I, and I say, for if it had been 199, I think this would have been a lot better. Not that I would have persevered with it more. I just think it would have represented more value for what it actually presents you with. It feels like 199's mm. worth of game. But... It's not terrible, and I think 66% is probably about right, given the price and given the repetitiveness of it. So I thought it was okay. It just did, These games just don't appeal to me, and I found the controls a little bit faffy to deal with, but I think it's just because I wasn't really into the game straight off the bat, so it didn't really endear me to want to really learn it and do better. Um, yeah, so, that's fair but, enough. But you know what? It was all right. It was all right. It, music was quite good. Like you say, some of it took around a bit long, but it was all right. It was all right. Yeah. Very middle-of-the-road I mean, game, this. Yeah, six six percent, like two thirds. It's like, yeah, yeah, it's about right. It's yeah. all right. Yeah, yeah, it's a bit. Of, it's a bit of fun. It's not. It's not yeah. going to offend you. It's worth. It's, a, it's worth replaying if you get a minute and you're out there listening. It's worth replaying Skate Rock just to give yourself a because it's it's better than Paperboy. That's saying something. Yes, yes, it is better than Paperboy. Yes, more to do. Yeah, more yeah, and it doesn't and it doesn't do. feel like Paperboy. You could see the hazards coming in this. They they do feel a bit more spontaneous, and that is quite good. That is to its credit. Yeah, it is. There we go. Skate Rock. So we, uh, I don't think we were quite deaf enough for that one, but maybe not. <laughs> I know, I definitely um, wasn't. Anyway, no, we definitely were not. Let's move along then. Two left, and this is uh, one for you. So, Graham, <laughs> Labyrinth. Labyrinth. Labyrinth has appeared, the, the video game. So it has. We've, we've talked about the film. What about the game? Okay, there's quite a bit to go through with this because there's a number of things I want to sort of discuss about Labyrinth. Obviously, we've discussed in depth Bowie's bulge and his potpourri <laughs> infestation in his pants and the fact that he jiggled crystal balls in front of a teenage girl's face. And all of that is all well and good. But you have to separate the film a little bit from the game because as much as they're the same characters and, and the premise is kind of the same, the story of Labyrinth in the game is different from mm, yes, it is, yeah. from the film. So this is, you know, of the world Labyrinth. So this is a graphic adventure developed by Lucasfilm and published by Activision. This is based on the fantasy film Labyrinth, of course, uh, and it takes tasks you with navigating a maze while solving puzzles and evading the dangers. Your goal is to find and defeat uh, Jareth, who is obviously David Bowie's character in the movie. Big hair, big bulge, tight pants, potpourri smelling. <laughs> Within 13 real-time hours. So you've got 13 real-time hours in this too to get to find your work your way through the labyrinth to get to Jareth and to sort him out. If you don't escape the labyrinth in those 13 hours, then you're in the labyrinth forever. So you actually start this game by inputting your name, your gender, and your favourite colour. And then you choose a save slot because you can save this game. Important that. Now, I'm going to come back to some of the issues and things and some of the workarounds. I'm just going to go sort of go through the the sort of the mainstay of this. So I think it's sort of the actual choices you make at that point do actually generate the kind of colour and the look and feel of your character. So you get short black hair or long hair. And I think it changes the colour of your jumper and the sprite that you play later on in the game. So mm-hmm. you start in this game as a, it actually starts as kind of a text adventure, but you have this like what they call the word wheel. So it comes up with a text and you, you it's unlike other games where you might type in things, you know, commands, like adventure games, a bit like Dracula typing, you know, go west, go north. Mm-hmm. This is features like a two-stage wheel where you select it with your, I think you, you navigate it with your space bar, I think. I can't remember whether it's keys or space, joystick and space bar, I think. I can't remember. I'll come back to that anyway. But either way, you have to work your way through into a cinema and sort of pick up a few things along the way. 
when you get sat in the cinema and finally in the cinema. So this bit is all text-based sort of adventure with sort of music playing a little bit. When you get through all of that, the film begins in the cinema and then Jareth appears on the screen and you are magically transformed, transmuted, transported even into the labyrinth uh, where Jareth tells you that he tells you the premise, you know, get out in 13 hours or you're going to be here permanently. After that, you actually start the game as a kind of a large animated sprite character, kind of a big, bold sprite character, kind of a goofy, a bit goofy looking. And this big sort of bold, very medium res, but quite nicely colored, I suppose, bold backgrounds of the sort of labyrinth. So you generally in this game kind of walk or run left or right encountering stuff. That's kind of the mainstay of the game. And again, I'll come back to some of the issues. Mm-hmm. And the idea is obviously you've got to get to the center and defeat, lab- defeat Jareth. So the spleen, spleen, the screen, your spleen might get hurt. Your spleen and or the screen is split into kind of the top section where you control your character with the joystick and, and move left and right and pick things up and use the word wheel, which contains the commands you need to complete the challenges. So you access that with a space bar and the cursors on the keyboard and you control the character with the left and right and you could, the fire button kind of does some actions and it's that actually is a little bit one of the little problems, I think, with the game. Underneath that, you get a mini-map showing where you currently are on that level and your current location and to highlight some interesting objects and, importantly, where their enemies are on those. And the various levels of the labyrinth are split into separate connected areas akin to a labyrinth. And you access these usually by going through doors or solving link puzzles that lead to doors or generally door-related. As you progress, you find more objects that you need later to complete things. So you pick up rocks and you pick up objects. Failure in this is not generally punished um, you don't die, you just get placed further back into the labyrinth, so you get kicked back into the outside, outer stage of the labyrinth, obviously, because you then it takes you longer to get back, and you, the more time you take, the less time you've got, kind of thing. There's also an oubliette in this, which do feature in the film, where you get dropped in, and unlike the film, where it's just a, um, a room, an oubliette is a, is a dark hallway, in, I believe in France, but it could be somewhere where they used to throw prisoners and just forget about them, and just, they just used to starve to death. Thankfully, that doesn't happen in this. There's always a kind of a way out, whether it's just running around the room a bit or whether it's, there's a slot in the door and you can put stuff in. You, you, it's a very silly puzzle. In fact, most of the puzzles in this game aren't really that hard to figure out. So you eventually get out and you put back at a different stage of the labyrinth, all, all the time costing you time. So most of the challenges involve characters from the film as you come across them. So Hoggle, Alpha and Ralph, the helping hands, so Didymus, Ludo, they're all in there. A lot of the locations from the film are in here as well. So the Bog of Eternal Stench, the forest, the, obviously the labyrinth, Jareth's castle and the opening sort of uh, the sort of castle entrance and things like that all the way working your way all the way through to you come to the sort of Escher like screen there's a sequence in the film where in the film Jareth's kidnapped Sarah's baby uh his baby brother yeah baby brother Toby mm-hmm. and obviously you've got to rescue them in this you're you know you've got to basically lob you pick up crystal balls throughout the labyrinth and you've got to lob one of those crystal balls at Jareth and then you go to the final confrontation and so that's essentially how the game plays out Graphically, it's is this is it varies. I think the graphics are very bold and big and a bit chunky and slow, but kind of work just. This is the first licensed game by Lucasfilm, as the all their previous ones, Rescue and Fractalis, Cronus Rift, and the Eidolon, were all original IP. This is not, and they so the decision was taken importantly to follow the theme of the film, but not the exact plot. The team behind this, David Fox, was the producer, Charlie Kellner, technical director, Kevin Fury or Furry, the programmer. Gary Wynick and Ken Macklin, character animators, and you've got David M. Martin. Interestingly, this is all created, I say, by David Fox, and that's the man that later was behind Maniac Mansion and Zap McCracken and the Alien Mindbenders, and that kind mm-hmm. of shows. In fact, this is actually, and he invented the word wheel. Um, he is the inventor of that, and that led directly to the Scum Engine, uh, which is later obviously used in Zap McCracken, Maniac Mansion, and 
in, inevitably Monkey Island and the Monkey Island series of games and all of those kind of games. According to Lemon64, strangely enough, they, they've got this pegged as produced and designed by Jonathan Dean. And he's got produce, production credits on things like Last Ninja 3 and IK Plus, and he's worked for Electric Dreams and System 3 and Activision. So he might he might be involved somewhere. I don't. I, I went from what was in the cassette, sort of inlay for the cassette slash disc version, which, mm. I, which I got in the instructions. So I don't know. Maybe there's a UK, Europe version, and the credits are slightly different. I don't know all of that. So the, the Brenda Laurel is credited for the C64 Activision end. Again, that could be an American slash, because this is obviously America-produced and then later comes mm-hmm. out here. Regardless, anyway, somebody like Gary Winnick, for example, went on to lead the production of Maniac Mansion with Ron Gilbert. So this game's not without its problems, but it is an important game. So interestingly, in the early development stages of this, and the reason I'm mentioning this in such detail is because I think this this is an important game. Early in the game development, there were some key decisions that were made that would have a profound impact on Lucasfilm adventure games and the way the, these adventure games would play out forever. So aside from the word wheel, which we've already discussed, which is used for the first time in Labyrinth, it meant that you weren't wasting time entering arbitrary word commands like you would in other text adventures, which meant that you could get on with the action. And so you weren't, they could focus on making the game less about you having lots of text responses and more about fun. Early in the production of this, the entire development team went to the UK and spent an entire week with Douglas Adams. He is responsible indirectly, or directly, for a large percentage of the funny, quirkier dialogue and characters and the interplay that happens in Labyrinth in the game. And that remains in the game. And that thematic of having characters that could have joke with each other and not take it too seriously is a thematic that stuck with Lucasfilm Games from this moment forth forever. So Douglas Adams was a really quite an influential... Obviously, that's the same Douglas Adams, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy Douglas Adams, that's him. So he's worked with this team to create this kind of vibe. And in fact, the opening sequence where you're actually outside the cinema and go in the cinema and all that, that's Douglas Adams. He, he invented that bit. That was his idea and he, and he wanted to keep that in. Now, the issues with Labyrinth, aside from all of that amazing stuff, so it's an important game because of all of that, but there's the actual game itself. Well, it's not without problems, is it? The loading on this, I can only imagine the loading on the C64 tape must have been horrible because it's bad. I actually, I couldn't get the, because we actually had a, a cartridge type version, didn't we, in the, mm-hmm. in our little list, but I couldn't get that to work on my version of Emulate. So I had to div- divert to the disc version. Oh, could you not? No. So I, got di- it, yeah, I got it working no, it just, fine. It just came up with a, it just, like a freeze error. So I had to divert to a disc version. I can tell you that it's slow and, and, and a bit monotonous and a bit, you know, crunchy in terms of disc loading times. And that's on a, an, an emulator. I can imagine the tape for this would have been horrific. Horrific. You'd have been, you know, forward and backwards and play. I don't quite know how it would have worked, really. I don't like the control between the joystick and the... This isn't point and click yet, and that's the that's the next level invention that comes with Maniac Mansion. The whole idea of a point and click that isn't here yet, so it's still kind of move and touch, which sounds really dubious. The graphics are bold and blocky, and generally work. And some of the backgrounds are nice, but the speed inhibits your enjoyment of this game because it plods when you're running. It plods, and you have to. And a lot of the game is time is spent running away from something to dive into a doorway. That's kind of the mainstay of this game, which means it's a bit dull. Now, again. It is a direct descendant and influence upon some of the greatest point-and-click adventures of all time. But if you take that aside and just take this game for what it is, I can see why Zap gave it 50%. I think it may be a little bit harsh, given that some of the things are important in it, but they wouldn't necessarily have known that at the time. If you take it at its value, the loading of this is chunky, slow, it's laborious. I think in it, over time, the more time you spend in the labyrinth, the less fun you're having, and the puzzles are so daft that they don't really require you to do anything other than figure them out really simply or pick something up or put something in a slot. There's no real puzzles to solve. And even the Alf and Ralph puzzle, it's in the film, which is an actual, like a riddle. 
they don't even do that, which seems odd that they would just, you know, you just, just more or less stumble through this game by accident until you get to the end. It's not really fun. The interplay between some of the characters and the dialogue aside, I think that's it's, that's what my takeaway from it is the game is crazy important in terms of where it sits in the sort of pantheon of games and in that world. Not as important as Maniac Mansion, but it is, you know, it's definitely got a lot of its fingers are reaching out and sort of, and you can see where their lineage is. But the actual game itself, kind of a side-to-side dull um, misstep, really, a bit of a misadventure and not really very puzzle-oriented or very much fun. So that's my take on it. What about you? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> we agree on so much. We do. Uh, I put, like the film before it, this feels like a game that's almost there. And I put, and I've written, you know, um, I didn't do the research you did into it, but I just, I just know most of the, you know, stuff. I know, knowing the lineage that runs on from this, it's clear to see where Lucasfilm were heading. But this version of what they would, but this version of what they were going to do is not particularly interesting or enjoyable to play, which is the problem. I also wonder as well where things like that murder on the Mississippi stand in, you know, yeah. when they went on to do Minute Mansion, because I think the word wheel is misnamed as well, because a wheel goes all the way round. Yeah. And this only goes to the top, so it's half a wheel, <laughs> which is annoying. So, yeah, coded by David. Well, I've got it's coded by David Fox. I only looked at 1164, but. And he would obviously go to work on Maniac Mansion as that McCracken. So this starts off with that weird text adventure part, which you're not kind of sure which you're really supposed to be mm. doing until you end up at the cinema. There does have a couple of funny moments in it, though. I try going i think it's north when you're at the popcorn stand and the woman pushes you back out of it and stops you climbing over it yeah. that made me laugh but then it just becomes a rather dull graphical adventure as you whisk into the labyrinth by jareth and hunt him down over 13 hours it's just dull the graphics are chunky and the main character is nicely animated but the backgrounds are boring and uninspiring. I quickly found myself getting really bored. Mm. Um, I remember I, I did have this on tape. My memories of this are not positive. No, I can um, imagine it's a hell As you said, Earth. it's an interesting oddity. Yes. Um, a space oddity, one might say. <laughs> but, but nothing more than a clear stepping stone to what will come later. Mm. This is the nation scum engine point and click yeah. stuff, but it ain't there yet. No. And it's tied to a not particularly very interesting film that we didn't, you know, on revisit doesn't particularly stand up particularly well. And it's all just a bit, they're waiting for that spark, which I, you know, I know you're much more of a fan of the Maniac matches that McCracken than probably I am, but I know of how important they are in certain circles and, and what they lead to and things like that. But this just feels just a bit boring. And that's that's my takeaway from it. I, I just found it dull. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just a bit like the film, really. It's just, it's just, it's um, I don't know. It's just, it wants to be something that it's not quite there. Yeah. As much as it's not, it's not great. It's a necessary game because all of the mistakes that they learned from this one, they didn't take into Maniac Mansion with them. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I'm yes, sorry. it's, impor- you know, I it's thank important you for that when alone. you look at those. Yeah, if it's important from a historical looking at it and seeing where it would go. Um, and how it fits into the pantheon of a certain genre of games that would yeah. come along. This is the the bridging of text adventures with more point and clicky type yeah. adventures. So this is one of those stepping stepping stone bridges between the two. So it is important in that respect, but it's neither one thing nor the other. Not yet. Yeah, it's not it's not quite it's there it yet. Doesn't quite work. So it doesn't work really as a text adventure, and it doesn't work no. as a graphic text point and click adventure. So no. there we go. Labyrinth. Mm. I think fifty percent is about bang on because it's. Just neither one thing nor the other. But there you go. Let's move on. This is our, our last game uh, for this week. See what that is. And that game uh, is a. We round off with a budget game. Is it a good budget or bad budget? Let's find out. It's Terra Cognita. 
So this game has the word terror in the title and it's a vertical scrolling shoot up and it's £1.99. So mm. you might be forgiven for thinking this could be an Aldi brand Terra Cresta. Mm. Don't know. No, don't make that not. mistake. <laughs> no, because you'd be very, very wrong. There is a plot. There's always a plot. And that plot in this is more stupid than normal in that you it's a plot about a giant robot head that you kicked it that you kicked on the planet creon and this woke it up forcing you to escape in your handy spaceship <laughs> that's the plot or something rather there you it is there it is why would you kick a giant metal head well someone's got to do it I and mean, you may as well do it <laughs> well well you, you get all you deserve <laughs> really you go around kicking metal heads it's just not on so what this entails is then you having to navigate um 100 vertical scrolling screens of virtual hell <laughs> is what i've put down here yeah the landscape is made up of massive squares so it reminded me visually a little bit of that bulldog yes a, a little but it's but but and trap it's somewhere in the middle of bulldog and trap yeah crap bull crap yeah, <laughs> it's bull crap yeah <laughs> It really is. It's made up of massive squares. Flying into any of those squares is death. Just immediate death. <laughs> immediate death. There are also two wobbly balloons that oscillate across the screen. And hitting those is death. Now, because you're channeled into such narrow sort of way of navigating the landscape, because and, and you're going any other way apart from the way you're supposed to go, is death. It's just death constantly. Death. Death. So, but there are other weird squares. There are big F squares that you have to hit because that gives you more fuel. You miss any of them and it's death. <laughs> <laughs> and the, and then you run out of fuel so death there are time slip squares and now these must might be uh, on a par with those bounce pads in Psy Warrior 2 for the most for some of the most hateful things I've seen in the yeah. game because they put you back at the start yep <laughs> I mean in what world or universe or planet or anything does anyone designing a game think this game's rock hard what it needs to do is we, we instead of congratulating people we just put them back at the start like, wrong there are there are plus and minus squares which speed you up and slow you down. You never want to hit a plus one ever because yeah. if you makes you go so fast that death, instant death. <laughs> and the slow ones just don't really work very well. There's some shield ones as well. There's too many squares which just kill you. Uh, there's impede your ability to navigate the screen, and it makes this game frustratingly annoying and horrible to play. Even for two quid, no, this had me reaching for the off button. On a, this would have had me reaching for the off button on a rainy Sunday afternoon, and it would have left me staring out the window, sad-eyed, teary-eyed, like Andrew <laughs> Anthony Hopkins. That's what it would have done. <laughs> or just putting something else on instead. The Dave Whitaker music is okay, but the graphics are horrible and chunky and ill-defined. It's terribly, terribly designed. If the landscape had been free to navigate and all the other blocks had been left in, it'd been maybe okay. Just a standard, just standard shoot 'em up. Hundred screens to get through, kind of like Swiv, that kind of progression. No, but this this maze like nature of it, it's bloody awful. I hated this. It rendered, me, it made me really angry playing this because yeah. I don't know why anybody would think this was in any way a good idea at any point ever. This left a bad taste in my mouth to finish up on. But what about you? No, I thought it was dreadful, really dreadful. Um, my eyes were sort of hurting after playing it. I think it was yeah, from yeah. straining to see my ship on the background, straining to see the enemies and the background elements that could blow you up. Everything was just difficult and bitty and difficult to see. Just made me didn't give me glazy eyes as much as gave my eyes kind of developed like a crust. It might have been a defense mechanism. It was just an unenjoyable shoot 'em up that caused me to nothing but a headache. It just gave me a headache. I think from the sort of forty second audio loop from Dave Whitaker, you know, the standard forty eight second loop. Yeah. <laughs> That's all this player could do. This game is committed to medium res. I mean, it's like committed in a way I've not seen many games, which makes it horrible <laughs> to endure. I didn't like anything about it at all. Zap 
we're feeling the impact uh, when they in their review of yet another turgid top-down scrolling shoot that was neither original or good. And I have to agree with them. There's nothing mm-hmm. There's nothing good about this. And the, not even the price is worth it for this. Go and get Warhawk if you want to shoot something up on a budget. It's not necessarily the same kind of premise, but it's just a top-down shooter that's better. And there's probably others as well. This is just awful. And I just blocky, too blocky. Blocky, blocky, blocky. Horrible blocky graphics. Blocky, blocky, horrible. Blocky. I hated it. Rubbish. Rubbish, rubbish, rubbish. <laughs> Bring on the side-scrollers. Give me some side I'm sick of these top-down, bottom-up scrollers. Side- Give me some side-scrolling things. <laughs> Sick of these be now. Careful what you wish for. I know. Well, because some will come along and just be crap. I've got a feeling there will be. You know, I don't doubt that. But the novelty of not going from bottom to top won't wear off very quickly. Just I'm sick of uh, going bloody doing these, and they're all very similar in theme. They're all kind of the same. They're just it's whether the graphics are going to be for the he is going to make you want to smash your face off. So because <laughs> some of these just hurt your eyes. This one is the worst one I think I've come across where I actually pretty much got eye strain. Because at certain colour schemes of the graphics, they blend so much. You're like, uh, is that me? Uh, is that? Oh, I'm dead. Uh, no, <laughs> yeah. awful, That's awful what I mean, game. Death. death at every move. They could just call it. You know, it's not Terra Cognitus. This is just a death simulator. Yeah. So, you know, Dog it, crap. Yeah. Shoot them up. Shoot them up. Dog. Shoot them up. Death simulator. You like to die a lot in shoot 'em ups? Yeah. Play this game because that's all you're going to do repeatedly. Yeah. Naff. Naff. And if you don't, and if you don't, we're going to send you back to the beginning to to make sure you die. Honestly, just. Don't take any more dumps in my toilet. Is what I'm saying. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. You've done. You, you broke blocked the bowl. it with this. T- you blocked it with this cheap turd. <laughs> you have. You blocked it with this great big blocky turd. And then you came back because you someone sent you back to the beginning. Exactly. And the corners were so sharp on those blocks, it tore a hole in the marigolds. <laughs> I, I, I wasn't even able to punch that thing out. <laughs> Like Rocky punching meat in the exactly, uh, it's exactly that's how I train. That's how I train. Just put this game on and then I just punch blocky turds down the toilet with ripped marigolds. And ripped ripped marigolds is my boxing uh, partner. Band, so just some say ripped marigolds. Yeah, he's the yellow streak, <laughs> the brown stain, the brown bummer. <laughs> oh dear. If he don't get you, the follow-through will. <laughs> Ew, it will. Uh, first punch don't get you, the follow-through will. There the, you go. The, the only boxer in history who could be beat with toilet paper. <laughs> but not this one. <laughs> not it like just tears holes in the corners of the of the toilet paper. <laughs> you need more than two or three ply for that. You need about eight ply. Oh, you need, the you marigold. need plywood. <laughs> <laughs> the marigold mangler. <laughs> Terra cognita, destroyer of all toilets. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, there we go. Crap. Right. Uh, right. That's it. We're done for the week. Yeah. We uh, I think we are done. Mm. Nothing more to say. Nothing more to do. Nope. Um, if you haven't already, go sign up for our Patreon. Just be nice. You yeah. Know. Come and join the fun on the old Patreon. It's good. There's it loads of good stuff happening in there. It's amazing. Lovely, it's, great little is. community we've got. Yes, yeah, growing all the time. Yeah. Loads of people people joining. Come and join us on our Discord. Uh, all for the price of a pint. Yep. It's nice. That's that's on, that's on the box. It is on the box. <laughs> that should be on the box. But all right, okay, apart from that, let's let's wrap up this week. What okay. did we look at? We looked at Erebus, which was all right, quite liked, was okay. We looked at Ollie and Lissa, which we didn't like. Mm. Terror of the Deep, which was we which we were disappointed in, I think. Could have been worse. We looked at the horrible duo of Peter Shilton's handball Maradona <laughs> and Agent Orange. <laughs> so bad. Which are just so so bad and poorly named and anger-inducing that yeah. I don't want to talk about them any more than that. We looked at Nosferatu the Vampire, about a man coming to terms with realising he's just <laughs> sold the house to a vampire <laughs> on his way home, <laughs> which is strange. Sums it up. <laughs> Hang, hangs from the ceiling, <laughs> sleeps in a coffin. And his teeth were more fangy than usual. <laughs> the last time I met him, 
<laughs> he was less he was less fangy. And he had no reflection of any kind. <laughs> Which I found particularly disturbing. <laughs> uh then we looked at the crap D D or Dandy. The weirdly um, antagonistic world of skateboarding in Skate Rock. The important, for many reasons, but not particularly interesting game, The Labyrinth. And finally, the bog blocker that was Terra Cognita. So I believe on that, uh, it's not been a good good week of games, has it? No. <laughs> that's, that's, that's a poor showing. On that note, I think, I think we need to sign off. So uh, as ever, I have been Adrian Mills. And I have been Graham Raddings. Uh, and you have been listening to Zapped to the Past, and we will see you again next week. Goodbye. Thank you for listening to the Zapped to the Past podcast. We hope you enjoyed our deep dive into the world of Commodore 64 games, as well as the music, films, and TV from around the 1980s, driven, of course, by the issue of Zap 64 magazine published at that time. We will return with a whole new batch of games and stuff to talk about next week. Until then, if you want to listen to or download previous episodes of Zap to the Past, and why wouldn't you? They can all be found on our website at zaptothepast.com, as well as being available on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Deezer, Audible, Player FM, and, well, pretty much anywhere where we can upload them. By the way, we do always love to hear from our amazing listeners, so if you'd like to contact us about anything in the podcast or beyond, you can do so by emailing us at zaptothepast at gmail.com. We're also active on Twitter under at zaptother, as well as Facebook, Instagram, and most social media platforms. Just search for Zap to the Past and you'll find us. Oh, and if you like the podcast and what we're doing, please do like, share, review, rate us. It really helps. Something, apparently. The Zap to the Past podcast is written and produced by Adrian Mills and Graham Raddings and recorded at Flaky Bits 2.0 Studio. All opinions expressed are those of the writers, and while we indeed love Zap64 magazine, the Zap to the Past podcast is not affiliated with it in any way. Stay safe, see you next time, and remember, we play these games so you don't have to.